Blog Talk Radio. The trail is dark and dusty. The road is kind of rough. But the good road is awaiting. And boys, it ain't far off. Trails of trouble. Roads of battle. Paths of victory. We shall walk. I turned my head up high I seen that silver lining That was hanging in the sky Trails of trouble of troubles and roads of battles, paths of victory. The trail is dusty and my road it might be rough, but the better roads are waiting and boys it ain't far off. Those words from Bob Dylan written back in 1991 as the Miami Hurricanes were winning their fourth national title perfectly sum up the state of the 2020 Canes as they struggled to get past Virginia Saturday night and keep their season on a positive track. Are better roads waiting up ahead as the Canes get ready to embark on the second half of their season against North Carolina State 
Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and North Carolina? Only time will tell. But the Virginia game certainly raised enough concerns to keep the coaches busy during this off week. And I'm sure the phone line's busy tonight on Kane Sport Live. The offensive line was manhandled at times at the line of scrimmage, and thus the running game struggled for really the fourth, third, maybe fourth straight game if you take the Eric King scrambles out of the equation. Even though the defense gave up just 14 points, there were many times when it seemed on its heels, thrown totally off balance by an unorthodox Virginia game plan that incorporated three different quarterbacks, a bunch of trick plays, and forced a couple really bad breakdowns by the secondary. Miami dropped from number 11 to number 12 in the polls that are becoming more crowded now that the Big Ten has resumed play with the Pac-12 up in a couple weeks. The state of the Canes at the midway point. That will be the overall theme of our discussion tonight as we embark on a new edition of Cane Sport Live presented tonight by JFQ Lending, your full-service mortgage provider licensed in more than 40 states. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. We have over 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. If you've never listened to our show before, here's how we do it. You hit the number one on your keypad when you call in. That puts you in the queue to come on the show, and we bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. We once again ask subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show, and we will address them tonight during the course of the evening. A bunch of really good ones submitted, as always. All right, so I mentioned the Miami run game. And how we've seen a steady decline in recent weeks. Cam Harris, Jalen Knighton, and Don Chaney had their way earlier in the season, but have almost disappeared from the offense the past three weeks as competition became elevated by the Clemson, Pittsburgh, and Virginia defenses. Harris, who averaged 7.9 yards per carry against UAB and 14.9 yards per carry against Louisville, had just 12 carries for 43 yards against Florida State, 8 carries for 3 yards against Clemson, 12 carries for 24 yards against Pitt, and then 8 carries for 8 yards against Virginia. Coaches gave Knighton and Chaney 12 and 10 carries respectively on Saturday night, and that seemed to upset Harris, who posted a complaining tweet on his Twitter that he deleted shortly thereafter, presumably at the urging of coaches. I asked offense coordinator Red Lashley about the overall drop-off in the running game. Uh, I've talked to him briefly. Coach Hickson's talked to him. Um, you know, I mean, it was a tweet, and kids tweet a lot of things these days. That's kind of how kids vent, right? And I think uh, I'm not totally sure what Cam really meant, other than I know he's frustrated. The last couple of weeks maybe haven't gone as well as he had hoped. But uh, he's a passionate kid. I know he's going to work really hard, and, uh, he's a big part of what we're doing. Um, obviously, the first three weeks did really well. Um, you know, and I think it's probably a team effect in terms of, you know, we could be better in a lot of areas uh, over the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, you know, those young running backs have been running well, too. So, um, you have to ask Cam really what he meant, to be honest with you. So, 
we've we've had a chance now to obviously watch a half a season, and and there seems to be a disparity on the offensive line between pass blocking and run blocking. And um, you know, pass blocking, even though I'm sure you've probably given up a couple more sacks than what you'd like. I mean, it, it's been markedly better than what it was last year when they were given up, you know, four or five sacks a, a game. But the run blocking really seems to have become a struggle now for, for four straight games. Can you talk a little bit about that and what the reason is for it? And is it limiting you in terms of your rollout of your offense and what you can call on game day? I, I do agree with you. I mean, I think we can be better in all aspects. And that's one of the things that an off week allows us to do is go back as coaches and really look at the first six games and you know try to see where we're – you know, we really need to improve maybe what we need to work on, the guys that are struggling, what they're struggling at. So I think it comes at a really good time for us. Um, you know, I do think, um, obviously, against Clemson, we, we didn't run the ball very well at all. Um, this past Saturday night, um, especially with some of the box run boxes we were getting, you know, we needed to be better running the football. Um, and I think that helps any offense. So I don't know about limiting us, but we would like to run it better. I don't know about four games. I mean, we rushed for over 200 yards against Florida State, I think. And I, I felt like we ran the ball well against Pitt. But to your point, I, we can be better, and we need to be better. And um, I think that's what this week will allow us to do. I mean, I still think we're running the ball better than maybe the average, but um, but we expect to run it better. We need to run it better. Um, you know, and through six games, it's been kind of a mixed bag. You know, we had weeks we ran it well and not thrown it well. Now we throw it well, don't run it well. And, you know, Florida State, we kind of put it all together. And so, um, you know, we need to be more consistent down the stretch. I think, um, you know, that's something that we're really going to strive towards doing. But uh, I have no doubt those guys will continue to improve up front, uh, both in the run and, and against the pass. You know, Knighton and Cheney, without question, were running harder and better than Harris. So it's tough to question the coaching decisions on that one. You know, I'm sure Cam's frustrated by the way things are going. I imagine that he intended for this season to be an audition for the National Football League, and it certainly started out like it was going to be that for him. And, and, and it has to be very frustrating now to go four straight games with pretty modest uh, production. Um, but it's tough to question the coaching decisions to give Knighton and Cheney more carries. I mean, they're, you know, Cheney in particular the other night was just simply playing better. And uh, I think as the season moves along that we're going to see a willingness amongst the coaches to give the freshmen on the team a chance to perform. They're extremely happy with the 2020 recruiting class. Manny Diaz told us this week that he wouldn't trade any one of them, really. Here's what he said. With it being an open week, can you take a minute or two and, and just talk a little bit about which young players on the roster are flashing in practice on scout team on both offense and defense and who might we, we might not be seeing a lot of in the games? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll just start on offense. I mean, certainly offensive line, I'd say Jalen Rivers. Uh, Jalen actually got a, a, a couple snaps in our heavy package on, on Saturday, but, but we're really excited about Jalen's development at, as a tackle, um, which is pretty unique for a guy his size. So uh, I, I would say he's flashing. You know, certainly I think the wide receivers have all um, gotten into games and they've, I think they've shown their potential and I think they'll continue to, to develop and improve, but we really like the group of young wideouts that we have. And obviously the running backs, everybody's had a chance to see Don Mamarelli played a lot in the game 
with Brevin being absent. Um, Dom was outstanding on special teams on Saturday as well. So, um, and then Tyler Van Dyke, you know, we just, we, we, we were very excited to watch Tyler uh, every week in practice. He's getting better and better. And, um, and I think he's got everybody on the inside of the program pretty excited about him. Um, defensively, I, I, I really feel the same way. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously you've seen Brian Balaam uh, get into some games. Isaiah Dunson has been able to get into some games. You know, Jalen Harrell, you know, got pushed into duty this past Saturday and, and, and went out there and, and um, you know, for what he was asked to do, you know, ran around, made some, some good tackles. Um, the linebackers, everybody's seen flag, but, you know, Tyreek Austin Cave, um, you know, when, when, when he and Avery Huff, you know, can just get the assignments down, their athleticism is, I think, what we've been, you know, wanting to get at linebacker. And I think those guys will improve us uh, once they know what they're doing. And then up front, you know, whether it's um, Elijah Roberts, you know, uh, Quentin Williams, Chance Williams, uh, all those guys uh, flash for us in practice. So um, I've said, kind of said over and over again, but, it, you know, and I, I almost feel like I'm listening about all of them, uh, but, but it's a, it's a talented class. Isaiah Walker has come in and done some things um, and, and really shown his, you know, his skill set which is exciting, you know, helping us out as, you know, with our scout team guys. So really, um, you know, I think, I think the entire class, we would recruit them all again, if, if given the opportunity. As a quick follow, is Tyler Van Dyke getting to the point where he can challenge Nicosi, um, or is that a little bit down the road? Uh, and also of those young freshman receivers, are any of them standing out above the other? The first part of your question. Yeah, I would, I would say that's true. I, I think we want competition. I think Tyler and Nikosi are pushing each other and, and, and both those guys know that, you know, they've got to stay prepared and, and, uh, cause they can go in at any time. And, and then of the wide receivers, you know, they're all just different. Um, you know, you know I, I think Keyshawn Smith, you know, maybe flashes the most because of his outstanding speed, but, but Redding's just got a knack for stacking people you know, on the outside and, and, and making plays down the field. And then of course, Restrepo's skill set, you know, with the short area quickness on the inside of the field. And, and, and Daz Worsham is a guy, again, who's got a good attitude and is working every day and, um, you know, and, and is talented as well. So they're just all a little bit different, you know, but, but I think, it, I think what probably is Keyshawn's speed probably flashes above all the skill sets. And maybe one of these weeks we'll uh, see a little bit more of it. You know, I, I, I think Keyshawn Smith is the one to me that's really flashed. And I'm, you know, a little little surprised that he's not getting more looks. He's he caught a couple balls in, I guess, you know, he didn't catch any this week. Caught one in the uh, Clemson game and then one in the Pitt game. But maybe in the second half of the season, we'll uh, we'll see him do a little bit more. We'll see how that goes. So that sets the table for tonight's show. Now let's go out to your calls. The number 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad. If you'd like to come on the show, and it looks like after weeks of getting shown up by the Mikester Kane and some of these other guys, that our man Greg has found his way back into the number one slot. So let's begin with him. Go out to the 845. Greg, you're back on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, Gary. How are you? Doing very well, doing very well. Okay. So talk to us. What's, what's on your mind? Okay, I got plenty. Uh, I want to start out by saying, why wasn't Manny Diaz telling Lashley to tell De'Eric King to run the play clock down to one and don't snap it with 15 seconds to go 
when you're trying to run the clock out. That is basic football. That is unbelievable that they didn't run the they weren't running the clock down. And if not at, the, not at the beginning of the drive, you're, you're you're right, Greg. They weren't doing it at the beginning of the drive. They they started doing it, I think, after the first first down. But uh, that you you know you're making a great point, and I imagine it's just something that fell through the cracks. Okay, I got another question for Manny Diaz. Are we running this program like a little league game? Why the hell would you put Robert Burns in the game after he's been sitting on the bench for three hours? What, how, why would you put your fourth string running back in when you're up by five points? Explain that. Tell Manny Diaz to explain that to us. How is that possible? Uh, I think I can explain it. I'm not going to tell you I'm endorsing it. I, I think your point is very legitimate. But, you know, I think what Manny likes to do is he likes every guy on the team to have a role and to have a reason to come out every day and practice hard and stay engaged. And I think that's why you see them play so many guys. Uh, it, it's certainly not because there's not drop-offs at times when they use all that depth, but he likes guys to get into the game. He likes them to have roles. And I think they're carving out a role for Robert Burns who otherwise would have no role and no hope of ever playing football at Miami as a kind of grind it, grind it out, kill the clock kind of, kind of back. And, and I think that's why they put him in. Um, you know, your point though is not illegitimate. You know, if he were to go in and fumble or something, it wouldn't be a, obviously a great thing, but I think that's the best way I can answer that. I think that, you know, that's his role at, that they cr- created for him. And he's the guy that comes in late to, to finish off the game. Okay. Well, put him in in the third quarter, not at the last quarter. Well, then you're taking carries away from Knighton and Chaney. And in this case, Cam Harris, who's not real thrilled with his eight carries in the game, you know, to to begin with as your starter. So, you know, it's not as easy as putting them in the game in the third quarter. Okay. The game, in the third quarter, the game, the score was 10-7. We're down on the inside the five. Manny's saying how hard Virginia is to run against. Why the hell are we running three plays up the middle in a row? Where the hell is the pass to the tight end in the red zone? Will Mallory caught two big passes right away. I only threw one other pass to him the entire game. That's terrible coaching. I'm sorry. And that play that Lashley keeps doing, throwing the quick pass, out to the flat, and the other guy blocks. If that guy intercepts that ball, we're done. We would have lost that game, okay? This, these plays are terrible. I mean, come on. These guys are genius. Probably come using on, it Probably using it too often. You know, pro- par- probably I, using that, that quick flanker pass a little too often. As, as you know, as, you know, we saw it all. All saw what happened, and yeah, very fortunate that it wasn't intercepted and taken back for a touchdown. Um, in terms of the play calling on that sequence down inside the five that you're referring to, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And you know, the the thing I've noticed is that we're going to the tight ends early, like usually on the first possession of the game, and then it's like they disappear. You know, and I mean, Brevin Jordan's getting more looks than Will Mallory, but you know, Will, Will Mallory caught 
that ball on the, the the first play of the game, and you know went for 32 yards, and he only caught one more pass the entire game. Ended up with two catches yeah. for the game. So, so yeah, I mean that's an obvious place to use the tight end is down in, inside the five, but you know that's not what Coach Lashley thought was the best play call. Okay, let's get to Manny Diaz's defense. Every game, you, we never stopped the other team on the first drive. They always moved the ball. Every game. I don't care which game it was. It, Manny Diaz is a one-trick pony, okay? He, they, why didn't he blitz that, those plays, that they were, those stupid plays Virginia was running? These gimmick plays. Disrupt the play. Why does the quarterback always run wild on my ass? I don't get it. It's nuts. Well, the the first thing I'll, I'll say is I think Virginia came out with a game plan that that threw them off balance. I don't think they were expecting what Virginia did, and I think it put them on their heels quite a bit, and it and it really showed. Uh, in terms of the quarterback running, you're right. They do at times have a hard time accounting for that quarterback. Uh, it's a, you know it's an extra hat that you got to account for, and there are times when they they struggle with that, and and I don't know if it's a flaw in Manny's scheme or you know or what it is, but I think you're correct that there is a pattern of that over the last few years where that does happen from time to time, and it it, it popped up again the other night. Okay, my last point: everyone in Kane's nation should be terrified about this bye week. We have not – last year we lost to Carolina, Virginia Tech, and FIU off buys. We got smoked by Louisiana Tech in a bowl game, and we lost to Clemson, which is no big deal. He has never proven he can win a game off a buy. okay? What's going to change in the next 10 days? You think the bye week has something to do with those losses? I don't know. I understand. I think it's I think it's coincidental, personally. Me, me personally. But if you've got a better spin on it, please, you know, we're all ears. I mean, you know, you you have an you have an audience of 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 guys here all listening. So I mean, we're all ears. I just I just don't see. I like. What do you point to? What that they get stale in a week and they're not practicing hard enough? Maybe maybe they need to practice harder. North Carolina game with seven down seventeen three in the first quarter. Virginia Tech was down twenty eight nothing to Virginia Tech. FIU we got embarrassed. Louisiana. But, well, Tech, but, but we Greg, what are you suggesting? Do you like? What are you suggesting? Like, do you think they're partying too much in the off week? I don't know. You know, they're they're, they're going they're going to Club Live on South Beach uh, on uh, in, in, when they don't have a game on Saturday. Like, and that's and that's impacting their performance a week later. Like, I don't like 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 where's the connection? Like, what what do you think is happening think during an open week? We're never ready to play. But because because is it because we're not ready to play, or is it because we had a week off? See what I'm saying? Is, is, isn't that just an excuse? I, I, maybe they're entwined. I really don't know, but something has to change because NC State is no great team by any stretch. They just gave up 48 points to Carolina. They gave up 40-something to Wake Forest. 
Yeah. Okay. And they lost their starting quarterback. Okay, there you go. All right, so, all right, listen, why don't you, can you please ask Manny why we're playing Robert Burns in the critical moments of the game? I think I just answered. Game. I think I just answered that for you. I'm I'm 99 sure that that's the right you're answer. Not, you're not Manny Diaz. He I is. understand, but uh, that's that's you. his philosophy. He wants okay, every guy on the team. team here. We're trying to win games. I understand. It's his coaching. It's his head coaching game. philosophy. He wants he wants everybody engaged every week. He wants everybody engaged in practice. He doesn't want guys standing on the sideline picking their nose, thinking that there's no chance they're getting into games. That's that's just his philosophy as a head coach, and I mean he's okay, entitled to have it. Lawrence and Travis ATN were playing in deep into the fourth quarter against Miami. Okay, they didn't play everybody in critical times. Every coach uh, is different. Come on, Davo Sweeney's a great coach. Manny Diaz is a Greg, I, I, I understand, but every coach is different, and they're entitled to have their own ideas. His ideas are horrendous. Thank you. See you later. All right, Greg. That was an interesting start to the show. Um, you know, Robert Burns did come in. He had three carries for seven yards. He averaged uh, 0.3 yards a carry which is, uh, you know, a little bit worse than Jalen Knighton at 3-1 and Don Cheney at 4-3. But uh, Cam Harris averaged 1.0 in his eight carries. So I don't know. You know, I mean, I, 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 I get what the method behind the madness of what Manny's thinking. At the same time, Greg's not wrong. You know, it's like, why are you putting the fourth string running back in with, the you know, the, the game still, I mean, theoretically in doubt? You know, I mean, you're, you know, you're protecting a, a, a five, I guess, five point lead at that point. And, uh, you know, so he's not wrong. He's making, making a legit point. All right. Five, six, three, nine, 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 three, five, five, oh, five, six, three, nine, 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 three, five, five, oh. You hit the one on your keypad. If you'd like to come on the show. Uh, now we're going to go out to the nine, four, one. That's the Mikester Kane who got beat to the punch by Greg tonight. I'm sure he's not feeling very good about it, but otherwise, this is a very happy guy. Mikester, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Hey, feel great. Well, hey, my streak is over. Hi, yep. Greg, he beat me he, to the punch. He, he, he got you. He got me, but we all love him, so it's okay. It's always good. But I understand Greg's point of view. I mean, he's talking about, um, well, let's let's get this started here. He's talking about uh, clock game management. You know, he, I, I think that, you know, it needs to be managed a little bit better. And he's talking about the play calling inside of the five there. You know, that could have been managed a little bit better. And all I, what I can say is let's go to the Virginia game for a second here. We're lucky to come out with a, with with the uh, the win here. If they had a better O line, I think points wouldn't have been left on the field. You know, you had blocking assignments missed in certain critical situations, like on third down. Of course, you know I wasn't at the game, so I didn't get to see the whole thing. You know, I was uh, gigging at Dean South of the Border Saturday night with band. But anyway. Um, there's always a, a like a choke, you know. The line's always choking at the wrong time, 
you know, there's, which is leading to the breakdown of the running game. And number two, I wanted to finally discuss. I don't know if choking is the right word, but go ahead. Well, choke, I mean, I mean it's, it's always like on a, on a critical third down. It seems like to me that the, they're always choking and missing blocking assignments. Now, oh, I think they just got their ass kicked a few times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw one play where Delone Scaife got pushed into the backfield. Yeah, I saw that too. He got he got shoved on his ass. Jesus, man. I mean, you got to keep your head down and keep your feet chopping. That's basic football fundamentals. You know, you don't keep your feet chopping, you're not you're going to get movement pushed into the backfield. I mean, that's that's just that's just you know. Well, anyway, let's go to the wide receivers. You know, Mike Carley finally stepped up telling you it's not enough we need to do more from the wide receivers especially in the second half of the season you know i said before for the deep ball to work you know i'm not seeing this from my point of view but what i need to see is more like you know stuttering their feet you you stutter your feet of course to get corners to bite that's if the corners are playing you off like five to seven yards so so they can't get get behind them well i used to teach these moves for our high school receivers, this was years ago. I had said that before on the show. Well, that's another thing. But uh, if it's uh, if if it's uh, you get them to turn around their hips when the DBs run with them, then you make your break. That'll give you a separation. You know, I'm not seeing a lot of that now. If it's bump and run, you cut back to the ball. Okay. Now you make your break and your cut. And that'll give you your separation. It seems to me like there's always a problem with that. Here's another thing I would do too: have King pump fake when the receiver does his does his cut back to the ball, and then hit an out and up. That'll get the DB to bite, and he can throw throw the deep ball and maybe have a chance, you know, complete the deep pass. But that's my two cents. Well, the Harley the Harley play on the second play of the game was similar to that. It wasn't. A, it was more like a yeah. in and up, but. Uh... But it, it was yeah. a double move, right kind of route, you know. That so that that's kind of like what you're talking about. Yeah, we need to see more of that. I used to teach that, but we need to see more of that. You know, these receivers still aren't getting a lot of separation. Well, of course, especially in the Clemson game, but that that's another whole story. Now, I wanted to ask you, what's the situation with Brevin Jordan's update? Do you have an update on that? Um, I believe he'll be back for the NC State game. Okay, good, because we're going to need that. And I did an analysis on the uh, NC State O-line. Yeah. Uh, do you know if it's true that they have a veteran O-line like Virginia did? You know, I have not looked at them closely yet. I mean, I've seen a little bit of their games this year without, you know, going deep, deep, deep into it. Um, I know they right. were playing, in, in general, very very good football before the, before their quarterback got hurt. And now they're kind of scrambling a little bit of quarterback. They played a true freshman last week. Uh, in terms of their offensive line, uh, I honestly, I, I couldn't answer that accurately right now because I just have not dug deep into NC State yet. Okay. What about their D-line edge? I heard they got a veteran nose tackle. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a few good players, but, I mean, the you know, we're going to have better personnel. It's just, you know, go, going up there and playing a solid game and, and finding a way to, 
you know, scratch out a victory again. I'm, I'm not as worried about that game as I am the game after at Virginia Tech and the game at Wake Forest. I, I, I saw Wake Forest this weekend. I was very impressed with their scrappiness and how hard they play. And I would expect a tussle when we go, when we go to um, Winston-Salem in a few weeks. Right. And yeah, then, Wake Forest did play them hard, I'll tell you. So Yeah, they do. They right. play very hard. Very well coached team. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, all right, Gary, I'm gonna leave it at that, get some more callers on the line here. So uh you take care. Are uh, you gonna be on next week? Uh, no, we will not have a show next Tuesday. I'll give everybody a program note right now. We will not have a show next Tuesday. Uh it's election night and we're gonna let everybody sit back in their living rooms and take in the drama on uh on election night so we'll be back in two weeks from tonight yeah that's gonna be a stressful situation <laughs> can't wait <laughs> yeah over. i can tell you now it's gonna it's gonna stress you out <laughs> well it's stressing everybody out and i'm like oh for crying out loud relax let's uh, focus on some football let's focus on uh you know, focus on the band and you know rocking and rolling here <laughs> did you did you vote yet huh did you vote yet? Yeah, I already voted. I, I I voted like about a month ago. I already sent my ballot in, so. All right. Confidential. No problem. How about yourself? How about yourself? Did you vote? Uh, I have not voted yet. No, but oh, I will okay. make sure. Well, I'll make it a point. I'll make it a point to do so this week. All right, Mikester. Yeah. Thanks oh, as always for. One last shout out. Oh, one last shout out to everybody in Canes Nation. Get out there and vote. 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 You're. Your voice can be heard. All right, Mikester. Have a great week, man. Thanks right. for being part of the show as always. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 305, where I believe our main man, Adam, is waiting anxiously. Adam, welcome back to King yeah. Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you? Doing great. How are you doing this week? Good. Um, look, I, uh, first question. One, why is Amari Carter still playing? It seems like every other game he's now getting a targeting penalty. This is starting to get ridiculous. And it I can't, you know, I can't figure that I can't figure it out. Like, you know, like I'm sitting here thinking like, if you're a coach, you have to discipline that lack of discipline. And I like, I get what you're feeling and I, but then they keep putting them yeah. out there and and it, it, they keep putting him out there to do the same thing over and over again. I mean, he's, he, I mean, it, it, he did it. What was it like? It was like the second or third defensive play no, of the it game. No, the first play. It was the first play of the game. The first play. I mean, it was, it's like, are you yeah. kidding me? Like, and you know, so now I'm starting to question, like, you know, to the coach, like, coach is like, do you want him to be doing that? <laughs> like, you know, and uh, I actually asked Blake Baker about it uh, this week. I probably should have cut that clip and had it ready to play for you here. But uh, I mean, I think the coaches recognize that it, it's, it's an issue and that, that it's something that, that Amari, you know, has to clean up, but you know, they're not, like you said, they're not disciplining them for, for doing it. And yeah. they keep rolling them out there. And I it just, it doesn't make, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Obviously he's a senior. He's an important um part of the team. But what Blake said was, I'm looking at the quote right now, it's yeah. definitely something we continue to address. You could still be physical without targeting. Some are malicious, some aren't. They, um, 
you know, the only thing that Amari could have done better was raise his head, eyes. Maybe it doesn't get called. It obviously hurts the player. He's got to miss the remainder of the game, and it hurts the team. It's something we'll continue to harp on. Coach Bandit does a drill every week where we talk mm-hmm. about tackling low. So, you know, they have a drill. They, they Every week they work on tackling low, and then he goes in the game and gets targeting. So I don't know. I mean – you know, I mean, I, I think every, the, the old school coach and everybody's instinct is you got to yeah. sit them down and make a point. But that's not how these guys, that's not how it, it goes here. It, it, and that yeah. clearly is not a Manny Diaz way of doing things. And uh, just like, you know, similar to the other thing we talked about a few minutes ago with Greg about, you know, yeah. have, trying to have a role for everybody on the roster. Um, this is another one of his head coaching philosophies, I guess, that, that he's entitled to have. I mean, when you're a head coach, you know, everybody doesn't have to do the same way, the same everything the same way as everybody else. And um, Manny apparently doesn't yeah. believe in disciplining his players very much. I mean, I, I remember last year um, yeah. when uh, I think it was the FIU game or something. I saw um, shoot the defensive end that was with us for a year from Virginia Tech. His name is just uh, Trayvon Hill. Yeah, Trayvon Hill. Okay, comes to, Manny says something to him on the sideline. Trayvon Hill basically blows off Manny, all pissed off or whatever. A lot of coaches would have said, sit him out for the rest of the game. And, and you know, even that didn't warrant a disciplinary, yeah. disciplinary move. So I, I would say it looks like he just has a philosophy against that, which is his, his, his right. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you, like most people, think that they're – there needs to be something in this case because it's really just getting to the point of ridiculousness and it's affecting the guys around him because the refs are looking for targeting from all the safeties now yeah and we did actually luck out because it looked like at the end of the first half Bubba Bolden could have been called for targeting and that lucked out big big time yep yeah because I mean Honestly, I mean, and I, it, I didn't mind as much with Bolden because he's really never done it. But with Carter, it seems like every other game he's getting ejected for targeting. I think he got ejected in the Clemson game or, or either the Clemson or Louisville game. It's just, I think this is the third one, right? Yeah, but it's just, I mean, I understand he's a senior and a team leader, but this isn't 2001 Ed Reed where you can lead with your helmet anymore. And it's like Amari Carter's playing football, 2020 football, but he thinks it's 2010 when you can get away with it. And I don't remember Ed Reed playing like that. Like, I don't, I, I mean, Ed Reed was a good, even Sean Taylor was a physical safety, but I don't remember him like. No, but what I'm saying is back when they played at the U, you could get away with those hits. Now you can't because, and that well, was the point I was trying to make. They're trying to make the game safer for kids, which you have to support. Yeah, I mean, you have to support that. You know, nobody needs to see anybody get paralyzed out there. Another question: um, What's the deal with this cornerback from Dallas? Or they say he's another like under the radar prospect that Miami just offered, and is he a take right now? Well, they offered him. Uh, if he wanted to commit, we you know we'd have to see. You know, if if, if he would be a take take or not, but they, they have offered okay. him. Have you seen, is he like another under the radar prospect? I'll, uh, I mean, big time under the radar. He does, you know, he's got no stars. He, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, it's just, this was his okay. first off first offer that he's gotten. Mm-hmm. So I'm not um, sure, you know, 
it was nice to see. It was really nice to see Mark Pope finally making some catches in the Virginia game, especially that one along the sidelines that got overturned. It's it's like he finally him and Mike Harley. It was like that was what they needed for their wake up call to finally just actually catch the ball. Yeah, I mean that was a, that was a great play by Mark, and it's just he's a nice kid. It's great to see him getting untracked a little bit. I mean, I, I know it's been hard for him. I mean, he's he had a five star label coming in and hasn't really lived up to it, and that's hard for a kid because everybody's like, yeah. everybody's looking at him in a negative vein. Like, what's wrong? What happened to him? What? Why isn't he good? You know, why isn't he making an impact on the team? And you know, I'm sure he hears it when he goes back home, and you know, and 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 yeah. it's something that he has to live with every single day. So to be out there making plays. I got to think means the world to him. Yeah. Um, And a couple other things. One, um, with all the um, kids missing because of COVID, the Van Dyke, Fallon, Roberts, and a bunch others, would they be available for NC State or are they in now uh, contact tracing or whatever? Well, it'll be more than 10 days from Saturday. So so, uh, presumably, as long as they're not testing positive for coronavirus, I believe that they would be available. Now you got to realize most of those kids weren't really playing. You know, Robert uh, Roberts wasn't really playing. Van Dyke wasn't playing. You know, they're all true freshmen. Really used Ballum, especially after Amari Carter. Yeah, but they've got you know they got Jalen Harrell and you know uh, who is essentially in the same place in his career as Ballum. They were they were okay. You know, and if they had to, they could put Frierson back there probably. So. I mean, it wasn't a crisis by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. I mean, you still have three safeties that you're yeah. rotating. Even even with Carter being out, they still had uh, Gervin Hall, and they still had Bolton. Okay. So. okay, and a couple of things. One, what happened on that touchdown? Blades just looked completely lost on that last touchdown. He just, he just blew it. He blew it. Right by him. Blew the coverage. I don't know if he lost sight of the guy or if he thought he had deep help. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't um, really, we didn't get last, really get a chance to talk to him and find out what happened, but okay. I mean it was horrible. And what what happened on that third and fourth play late in the game after we had turned um, Virginia over on downs? Because it looked from TV that Virginia was like offsides, and that's why it, what everyone thought. And then there was just no flag that came out. And I'm talking before the touchdown because like the offensive lineman didn't even move. Oh, well, they didn't move? Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that was designed or not. Like, I don't it know. Like it <laughs> it was like weird, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Gary, speak to you in two weeks. And like uh, Mike Stir, I voted like last month, so I'm good to go. I just can't All wait right, for Adam. the whole circus to be over. Yep, it will be next Tuesday. All Not right, Adam, thanks for, okay. thanks for being part of the show, man. Five six three nine 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 three five five zero five six three nine 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 three five five zero. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the five zero four. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's going on, man? How you doing? It's Roland from New Orleans. Hey, what's up, Roland? How you doing this week? I'm I'm good, man. I got a first quick question. Um, um, what's up, man, with the uh, strength and conditioning coach? Because uh, I know we have receivers that are five eight five. Yeah, five nine. But Pope, man, I mean, he's got like one seventy five, one eighty. I mean, I I just can't fathom, a, you know, a junior or senior to be so small and so uh, they're not developing, man, physically. So I want 
get your, see if you can address that question. You know, I got to tell you, I, I have a, a very, very high opinion of David Feely. I, 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 you know, from the minute he's arrived on campus, I felt he's been doing a really good job. The, the kids seem to respond to him. But, you know, your question is one I'm getting a lot these days. It's really weird. Like, you know, I think people see what you're talking about. Uh, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard, you know, I've had Pope mentioned on several occasions in that regard. And just seeing the way the offensive and defensive lines were getting kind of manhandled at times mm-hmm. in that game the other night kind of threw yep. a radar up for a lot of people. Uh, I, I don't have an answer for you, Roland. I really don't. Um, you know, I like I said, my opinion of David Feely has always been very, very high. Um, but I do see the things that you guys are seeing that's making you ask the question. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's an alarm that the Miami strength program isn't good enough or anything like that. Um, or maybe, you know, just guys aren't performing on individual plays and, you know, Pope looks to me like a kid that says has a hard time putting weight on because yeah, he hasn't gained a lot of, a ton of weight and, and, you know, in the, in the time that he's been at Miami, or at least it, it doesn't look like he has. Now, maybe he has without it being apparent. You know, I don't know. But uh, and, and he certainly could be stronger. There's no question about it. So I don't really have an answer for you on that one. Yeah, and, and also uh, you, you brought, I think one of the last calls brought up something very, very important. Um, with with Diaz, I'm just being frank and just, you know, just saying what's my opinion. Um, I from a firmness perspective, um, I, the team seems. How can I put this? It like when when Amari Cooper uh, made that play, and uh, it was another targeting play. Is he? It doesn't seem like he's getting in these players' asses. You know what I'm saying? It's it's mm-hmm. when you look at the team, the team, it, the team looks soft. You know, physically, it looks soft. You got guy, but but. You got guys that are playing really, really hard. You can tell about Bolden, Phillips, but you have guys, man. Even a kid was what's the kid that was returning punts, and these kids look like they just came out, literally still in high school. I just can't believe like the the like the size of these guys, and then also the player evaluation as far as um, you know who they're deciding to give scholarships to, man. I mean, we, we, I don't know. I've been saying this, but I'm not, I know you support Diaz, but I really, well, no, I'm not. I I try to, I don't try to uh, support's not the right word. I mean, obviously I want to see Manny do well, but like, I'm not blind to like, you know, hell. I mean, I I was the one sitting there back in December saying, my God, man, it's like, what, you can't, you know, do you really want to go on to year two of this? I mean, you know, it it was so bad at the end of last year, but now, you know, you're talking about, you're talking about talent evaluation. I mean, I've been talking about talent evaluation for many, many, many years, going probably well beyond 10 years. I I mean, we take a look every summer. We do a state of the youth series. I don't know. I don't know if you had a chance to read it this past summer. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's still, it's still on the website. If if you look on the front page, it's still there, but we, you know, yeah. we do a state, we do a state of the youth series and we take a hard look at that. Like who was in each recruiting class for the last five years, what happened to them? Yeah. And if you, if you look back, yeah. I mean, you could go back five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine years back to when Gold, Golden crazy. was here. 
Roland, it is stagger. It is staggering. Look, 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 okay, like we're blowing good. half our recruiting classes almost every year, Roland. It, it's like this program has been on self-imposed probation for the last decade. It's a crazy thing, Jerry Judy, Campbell, Stevens. No, but those are guys that, that were lost. I'm talking about guys that were signed and taken, that flamed out for different reasons, that weren't good enough, that could never play. I mean, they're, they've been blowing a lot of years, many years, multiple years, half the recruiting class. I mean, that's a, that's bad evaluation, you know? Um, I'm going to leave it up here. Yeah, I'll leave it at this. I, I still think – I know this is not going to happen. I mean, but I wish Alonzo Highsmith would have got that damn – you had that position. You know what? I thought that that was the move. Roland, I pushed so hard for that. I thought it was the greatest idea. Uh, We had we had boosters that were going to pay for it. I mean, it wasn't going to cost the university any money. Uh, I don't know if um, if they if they are listening to the show and you know, but but right now, but but there 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 was there was a booster that was going to pay Alonzo's salary for the, for three years. It wasn't going to cost the athletic department a penny. And you know, I I thought it, it, like man, like he'd come in. You just if he if all he did was set up an NFL-level scouting department for the football program. That was the only thing he did. And I saw a lot of other things that he could do. I thought he could be a great sounding board for Blake James, who has shown that maybe he could use something like that. I don't think Blake has anything in that building. Um, and you know, to, to anybody to bounce ideas off of, or anybody to say, Hey Blake, you might want to look at this. And I don't think he's willing to listen to any of us, but I'll tell you right now. And there's many of us on this show every week, uh, who could help Blake a lot. And, you know, it, it, it's like, I thought Alonzo coming in there would give Blake that kind of sounding board and, and, and somebody who would have Blake's ear, that could help him in yep. the future with, with decisions and things like okay. that. And, you know, set up a pro scouting department. I thought Alonzo could yep. help a lot by getting out in the yep. community and being an ambassador for the football program and rebuilding totally. relationships with the high school community, totally. with the youth league community. I mean, he, he's a, a well-respected, accomplished um, yep. guy who, who has a 20 year uh, history yep. now in the national football league and, was very well known. I, mean, I could go on and on about Alonzo Highsmith, and I, and I did roll, and I didn't. I couldn't have pounded. Oh my Manny God! Well, I think Manny felt a little did. nervous about it. He like, you, you know, I think, and I don't think Blake really liked it either. No, I don't think Blake no, really liked it either. But Blake probably would have done it, you know, just because he he was under pressure to do something. But 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 I I don't think I think Manny was afraid to bring somebody in that wasn't that that was not a manny guy that he didn't know if he could trust and and and, you know when you're sitting there and you got three or four years left on your contract at four million dollars a year you have all the power like you know manny it's manny's program i promise you i got a really good friend of mine who played in the 80s and highest wanted that job but the money miami was gonna offer him was it was some bs i'm telling you gary no, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter because whatever Miami was going to pay him, there was a booster. Roland, there was a booster that was going to supplement it and match Alonzo's salary with the Cleveland Browns. Okay. So it wasn't going to be about money. money. The money was there. The money was – I mean the guy was going to donate a million dollars. Miami was going to was, was going to have – I think – I'm going on memory now. I think it was going to be about 150000 a year, and the booster was going to put up an extra 350000 a year for three years, a million dollars, 
to cover the the difference between what Miami could afford to pay him and and what he needed to make because that's what he's making in the in the National Football League. All right, I'm, I'm ending like this. Do you think going into 2021, you think Kyle Smith is is done? Or you think it's still an opportunity to bring him in? Are you, oh God, no. There's no chance. No. Yeah, no, it's done. It's definitely done because, uh, you know, I don't, I, I, yeah, I I just, I don't see, I don't see it being revived. Wow. All right, Roland. You got anything else? I appreciate it, man. Keep me on hold. All right, man. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, guys, let's take our, a moment here and let me find them on the board. And, um, we are going to do our weekly check-in with our Kane Sport Managing Editor, Matt Shodell. And um, Matt, how you doing this week? Doing well. I'm doing well. It's got a bye week, so uh, I'm resting up. All my bumps and bruises from the season, and I'll be ready to go next week. Well, you know, as, as a guy that's very much in the trenches every year, when we do that State of the U look at the program, and we go back and we evaluate all the recruiting classes, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, you heard what I just said. I mean, we, we, we have I think collectively been stunned at just how, how, how bad the level of evaluation has been year to year to where so many scholarships every year are getting wasted and you end up with a half a recruiting class two, three years later. And it literally has been like the program has been on self-imposed probation. And it's not a surprise that it goes seven and six and six and seven. What's the surprise is that right now we're sitting here at five and one. Um, I guess that's a good way to put it. I mean, honestly, it's because what the State of the Union series does take into account is the transfers. If Miami doesn't have the transfers they bought in who were not recruited, Miami's probably not even five, at 500 team. right now. <laughs> yep. It's a 4-5 win football team because of what right. we're talking so, I mean, about. Because of what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. No, the transfers have saved the classes. And, and the biggest thing, if you look in the State of the Union series, is the, you know, the players that didn't sign with Miami. Forget the guys they missed on. It's the guys who wouldn't stay home that were in the Rivals 100. A lot of those guys are already either in the NFL or will be headed to the NFL who are really good players. I mean, you look at the class of 2018, um, that alone, that class is a class that, you know, really this year should be coming into its own, right? Third-year players. And, I mean, you look at that class, you got guys who, you know, fans they're just not there, the, the, the kids. I mean, there's nine players in that class that aren't here. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's nine scholarship players that if you don't miss on those, you either have extra spots for the other years or you've got guys who would be contributing. I mean, it's just a total waste when that many guys leave. And then even the guys who are here, you know, Gregory Rousseau opted out. Um, you know, Gervin Hall, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of basically Gerlin Hall, DJ Safety, Wiggins, you know, those are the, the, some of the guys that are in there that aren't really difference makers, even though they're starting. And then you get the Al Blazes, Cam Harris's, you know, those guys aren't like real high level NFL guys. And then you got Brevin Jordan, who's really the best of that class, you know, and then the rest of that class is, is just other guys right now. Um, you know, Patrick Joyner, Will Mallory's a backup, Cleveland Reed, um, Jordan Miller, DJ Ivy's been pretty bad. I mean, you just go to John Campbell, you go on the list. These aren't difference makers for the most part. You know, you got really the two stars in that class. One of them's not playing because he opted out, and the other one's hurt. So, um, you know, it really is a tribute to Manny Diaz and the staff what they've been able to do, realizing because there have been past coaches we've seen 
people were just blind and said, everything's going to be fine. We're not worried about it. And we're just oblivious. And we, I'm not going to name names, but there have been coaches that have done that. And Manny Diaz doesn't do that to his credit. He says, we have a major problem here. And he brought in transfers. And yeah, the transfers, as I've argued constantly, cost Miami long-term. I don't like it as a general rule. But if Miami wanted to win this year, they had to bring in transfers. And to Manny's credit, they did that. Now, I don't want to see them keep bringing in transfers in the future because they have to start hitting and recruiting. Because for those who have sort of followed the argument on this, is if you keep bringing too many transfers, eventually you just don't have the numbers you need because those kids are here one or two years and you're, they're costing you a freshman every single time you take a transfer and you just don't have those four- and five-year kids anymore in your program and you just become transfer you and there's no way to get out of that. It's like a vicious cycle, basically, which nobody's seen yet because this has really just become a new thing, the portal. But I'm telling you right now, fans that don't look ahead, if you, if you keep taking five, six, seven, eight transfers a year, Miami will have to keep taking five, six, eight transfers a year because there's no other way to fix the number problem they're going to have um, with not taking enough freshmen in the class. And you do not want that to happen. If Miami keeps doing that next two or three years, they will no longer have a choice. They have to keep bringing in five, six, seven transfers every single year that are just cast off from other places. And you're not always going to get lucky with the Jalen Phillips and Quincy Rochers of the world. So you don't, you don't want that to happen. So it uh, looks like the recruiting class is good this year. They've got to keep that up. That's super important. All right, so it's an open week, and you know, guys are you know a little fired up, and I've been hit with some pretty tough questions here in hour number one. That I, I want to see how you would weigh in on them, just to see if, if if our opinions are the same. So the first one was Robert Burns um, being put into the game uh, late in the fourth quarter uh, when you know they're I guess they're you know they're trying to kill the clock, and I think it was Greg who was our first caller tonight. Um, was uh, a little outraged at the coaches putting Robert Burns in the game who had been sitting on the sideline for three hours and was cold. And, you know, why is he being put in the game late? And the, you know, the way I explained it and I understood his point, like, you know, a lot of people would make that point. Like, why are you putting the fourth string running back in to that situation? And, you know, aren't you asking for trouble for him to fumble the ball or whatever? But um, my spin on it was that I think Manny has a philosophy around having every guy on the roster have some kind of role so that they come to practice every day engaged with hope of getting into the football game. And, um, you know, what, your, your thoughts on that? I mean, I would respectfully disagree. I, I don't think Miami's built ever on let everybody play and it's a PC world out there. I mean, the best guy should play, especially at the end of the game. When well, so, so why the put the fourth string – why yeah, put the fourth string running because, back in the game late because, in the fourth quarter? Because, because, because they're outthinking themselves. They think Robert Burns is this power rusher. They think, okay, we've spent three and a half quarters wearing down this defense. They've played a lot of snaps. They're tired. We're just going to run it straight up the middle. And if you're going to do that, then Robert Burns is your guy, right? If you want to get three or four yards and run straight up the middle, then Robert Burns is the guy because he's the bigger power back. He doesn't have the same speed. You know, if you want to do some outside runs and, and, and that sort of thing, then you need the, 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 the quicker, you know, smaller guys in there. So that's what they wanted to do. They knew we were, they knew we're running up the middle. But the problem with that is when Robert Burns comes, when Robert Burns comes in the game, if any team knows what they are doing defensively, they know Robert Burns is not going to be running to the sidelines. He's just going to take a handoff and run right up the middle. So it's pretty easy to make sure Miami's going to go three and out if they're going to hand it off two or three times to Robert Burns. So that's my issue with that. Uh, to me, that's what Miami was thinking. They're thinking defense is tired. We're going to run straight up the middle. Let's not do anything tricky or fancy. Just, you know, straight ahead. We're going to take it to them. 
and we're going to win the game just with a power ground game. The offensive line is going to blow them off the ball, and you know we're you know we're that's how we're going to do it. So I just think they were getting a little too smart for themselves. Just just get the best guys in there. That's that's what I would do. All right, the next tough question. Um, I believe this one might have come uh, from the Mikester Kane and uh, Gervin Hall. I mean, not Gervin Hall, Amari Carter targeting yeah. penalties you know should he be disciplined and uh they just you know he keeps getting keeps rolling out there and gets uh, first uh, somebody said it was first play of the game i don't remember if it was first or second defensive play of the game but immediately yeah, gets a targeting call and is out for the rest of the game um are they making a mistake not disciplining amari carter i mean that's a great question i'm not sure that they're not not disciplining him, or not, 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 not disciplining him. I don't know how many nuts to put in there. I mean, penalties get disciplined, and he, look, he did it wrong. He just flat out did it wrong, and the fact that he still hasn't learned to do it right is very troubling. I mean, you know, how many times, you know, coaches, I think it was Manny or Blake, one of them this week said, Blake Baker, one of them said, I'm tired of getting this question. Well, the reason you're getting the question is because you haven't taught the kid how to do it the right way. <laughs> That's a problem, right? I mean, Gervin Hall had a targeting. Amari Carter's had two targetings. He had targeting problems last year. I I don't I don't know that you really want Amari Carter in a game on a key play that could change the outcome of a game when there's a throw over the middle and he's the guy who's going to make the tackle at this point because you know every ref out there is looking for it and they can go to replay all they want but once you call targeting on the field. You know, if there's any sort of head-to-head contact or Amari basically lowers his head and even throws his shoulder into the guy's head, I mean, Amari Carter lowers his head when he makes tackles. That's what he does. It's a habit. He apparently can't fix it because they've tried, and it's a major problem. Um, they love him at safety. I mean, okay, but I, I don't know what else to tell you on that. I, he's either unteachable, uncoachable, or some kids are because it's just a habit he's formed that he won't break it. Um, but if that's the case, they got to be really smart with how they use him. And, and you don't want him in the game in a key moment when there might be a throw over the middle and he's going to get a 15-yard penalty that can sway the momentum of the game. You just don't. Do, do you agree that there seems to be a clear Manny Diaz coaching philosophy against token disciplines of players? Uh, again, like don't discipline players. Well, you don't. Really you don't not. see like you don't see Amari Carter get benched they, for that. Other than the penalty, he has oh, to immediate, pay. immediate. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. They, they they should have immediate repercussions. Like the obvious thing within the Clemson game with those ridiculous false starts under Kai Clark, and there's one picky tack call against Clemson, and they pull out their starting lineman right away. You know, like I get that, but I mean, they, what, what what Manny Diaz has always has done, at least since he's been here, is um, I think it's Sunday is a discipline day, right? So. Uh, the whole team does the punishment for whatever, you know, selfish is what they call them, selfish penalties there were. And uh, and he thinks that's going to fix the problem because the whole team got punished for this one guy's issues. But it doesn't seem to work. Uh, I would like to see guys get pulled out. Now, with that said, at Clemson, it's a lot easier to put a backup in because their backups are still better. <laughs> There's not a drop-off. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're right. At Miami, yeah. it's a little different. I mean, in Miami, you pull a kid out and you might have a guy who, like, does not belong on the field. So... I get the conundrum. I'm a big fan of it's the best way to teach a kid is to cost him playing time and not just have him run a couple of laps in practice on Sunday. But this is how they do it. So, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be working. Uh, I would certainly prefer to see them take immediate action on the field because I think that's what really gets kids' attention better. But it is what it is. 
All right, and then um, I believe it was Roland from New Orleans who hit me with a, a, a really what I thought was a really tough question. Um, and I don't, you know, obviously shy away from tough questions. It's great. It's good for the show. But this one was had to do with David Feely and the strength program. And you know, I've always from the from the moment that David Feely got here, I've always personally been of the the feeling and impression that David Feely is a really good strength coach who has the attention of the players and, you know, doing a great job. And, and, you know, I felt really good about the strength program and David Feely, but you know, what Roland was pointing out was a guy like Mark Pope, who now is in his third year in the program and has not shown a ton of physical development. You know, he, he, he still kind of looks like he did coming out of high school. Um, uh, and then, you know, you see other things like, you know, Delone Scaife getting blown up into the backfield the other night against Virginia and, you know, things like that. So, you know, I get where the viewpoint might be coming from. And, you know, I thought it was a legit question. Uh, your thoughts on strength and conditioning and David Feely and the state of that aspect of the program? Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I love David Feely. I think he's great. Um, what yeah. he thrives on from what I have sort of seen – personally and, and heard is he really thrives. Like his big thing is enthusiasm and he wants the players to want to be there. Right. And that's good. And it's bad. Right. Because if a player wants to be there, sometimes you maybe you're not really making them feel that pain. Right. Like it's more just like about a lot of rah-rah stuff. And, and there's certainly, they do a lot of rah-rah stuff and try to mix in the pain. Um, is there enough pain that these players are feeling? I, I don't know the answer to that. You know, we're not, allowed the same level of access that we sort of used to get with the strength room, right? So it's hard to say. I mean, David Philly's reputation is excellent. And, you know, I'm not going to go make something up and say, you know, he's getting the job done or not getting the job done just because a few guys don't maybe look the part. You know, you got to remember there was a, a, a pretty substantial period of time where these guys were at home on their own and they were supposed to be working out. And if Miami's players are more lazy than some other schools' players, I don't know. But I'm certainly not going to put that on David Feely, you know, when you miss three months that you're supposed to be doing stuff at home and he's – trying to come up with ways for guys who don't have weights at home to, you know, put bottles in bags and do different exercises. I mean, he's trying to do what he can do. Um, the only things I know for sure is his huge unenthusiasm and getting players hyped up in the weight room. Um, you know, whether that's the detriment of them actually feeling the pain, I don't know. Like, that's just my honest answer. I don't know. We, we don't know because they don't let us have access. You know, we used to, when, when there was previous coaches here, strength coaches here, before many ideas, we had you know, plenty of basically all the access we want. I mean, we would go in the weight room, you know, so yeah. like, it's just different now. It's different now. We, we, they don't let us see anymore. And I don't know. I guess the only way to really gauge it is you're right. You have to wait three or four years for these guys to see how they look at the end of their college careers. And, um, and you're right. There are, there's definitely a few guys who maybe haven't made that big jump up, but I don't know if it's because of quarantine or because of the weight room. Well, you know, like you know, my, like I said, my feeling has always been that David Philly is doing a great job. But you know, the truth of the matter is that when you when you talk, you know present it the way you just did and and look at it honestly, we we really like it, it's almost an assumption because you know we, we don't know and and you know then like little things pop up in games like you know with with the both I thought both the offensive and defensive lines the other night against Virginia were getting handled pretty well. So, you know, who knows? Uh, I mean, I if if I had to err I, I mean make a judgment one way or the other, I would err on the side of saying he does a good job. But I, I think agree. the question is legit. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, it's something we don't know. <laughs> so it's really right. telling. So know, as he gets more and more years under his belt, I think we'll have a sense for how the players are, are, are bulking up and getting bigger, faster, and stronger, hopefully. All right, and lastly for tonight, uh, just your overall general thoughts of where the team is at the midway point of the season. Oh, I mean, I, well, I, I posted a long thread about it after the last game. I mean, I think we pretty much know what we got now. We got an, an imperfect team that's finding ways to win games. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Five and one at the break, you can't ask for anything more than that. They weren't going to be the number one ranked team in the country. Miami's not there yet, you know. Um, even though Clemson tried to hand them a few plays, you know, including them to halftime. So that's just the way it is. And I don't necessarily see another team on the schedule that Miami either won't beat or be very much in the game. You know, Virginia Tech and North Carolina are the obvious ones that will be potentially close games. But there's a legitimate chance that that this team could finish a regular season 10-1, and which is insane considering – Insane. Season end of last year with people calling for all the coaches to be fired and restructure the whole program, and Blake James needs to go. I mean, if this team can finish 10 and 1, which I think there's a, probably a 50 50 chance that happens, which is remarkable. With all the flaws um, that it has. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot yeah, of flaws. I mean, correct. But it's a testament to Manny Diaz bringing in, like I said before, these transfers who have provided immediate leadership with Quincy Roche on the defensive side and obviously with Derek King on the offensive side. I mean, you can't say enough about those two kids. They're not the, the greatest players out there in the world. I mean, you know, neither of them are going to be first or second round picks. <laughs> but, um, and, and Derek King might not even be a draft choice just based on his size. Uh, they are leaders. They know how to win. They get their teammates in the right mindset. Um, and it, it, you, you, you can't say enough about, about the guys that they brought in um, just to help out for this one year. And maybe next year, too, now with Santa Blake giving them another year. So, uh, so kudos to those guys for at least making 2020 uh, somewhat bearable given the coronavirus situation. <laughs> and, and we'd be remiss if we didn't give a shout-out to Rhett Lashley as well. I think he's made a difference in a couple games, not because everything's going perfectly. It's not going close to perfectly. He's not putting up anywhere near the numbers he did at SMU. But he is coming up with those few plays a game that are making the difference between winning and losing. So you got to give him credit for that. No All right, doubt. Matt. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks as always for your uh, contributions to the show and uh, we'll do it again next time. Perfect. All right. Have a great night. That's Matt Shodell, our managing editor at canesport.com. All right. 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550 is the number. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, let's go now to the 870. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Lemuel. Hey, what's up, Lemuel? How are you, man? Good, good. Uh, last week, Gary, we talked about, I think I want to hit on, uh, first of all, that third and four the guy was talking about for the linemen stay still. Um, that's a Gus Malzahn thing. He got that from Gus Malzahn. That's on, that was on purpose. So mm-hmm. that third and four where all the linemen go still, that's basically what that was. That's something that Gus that's Malzahn for like de- for that's years. for like decept- deception. Yes, yes. Gus Malzahn is all deception. Re- another reason why he got to got to give up play calling because yeah, I mean, it looked like it was planned. I agree. To... I agree with you. Yeah, it looked yeah. it looked it, planned. Yeah. It, and the, um, another thing too to hit on the guy when he was talking about Mark Pope. Um, some guys just don't put on weight. You got to look at guys like Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, I think, is one sixty five um, from Cal. 
and I think Mark Pope is probably in that frame. I think he could add a little bit of weight, but he just looks like a guy that that's his frame. Could be wrong, but that just looks like his frame to me. Um, but I wanted to get in and talk about – oh, and another thing that the guy hit on, Robert Burns. Um, Robert Burns seemed like – I think at Pittsburgh, he did come in and end the game on the drive, run the football, correct? Am I, am I yes. not wrong? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it, it did it did work. And, and we talk about fourth string, but our first string running back been trash uh, recently. So, uh, I really don't care if it's fourth, fifth, sixth. Whoever could get in and be productive, that's who need to be in. Cam Harris right now look is looking like our fourth string running back with, with how he's running east and west. But um, the thing I wanted to talk about, I hit on it last week, Gary. I'm, this is what bothers me. Um, last week I talked about how we played off so much on the receivers. There was a couple of third and tens where we literally played 15 yards off the ball and they just played pitch and catch. Like, I don't know what game plan, I don't care what they what you wasn't expecting, or they came out with something different. There's no reason, and I don't care what we talk about, we don't have as good a team. Al Blades is better than the receiver that's in front of him, period. On the third and ten, Al Blaze is better than the receiver in front of him. There's no way you should call a defense where the guy is 15 yards off the receiver. And it's that type of mentality that hurts us defensively. Even though they did give up 14 points, the team's usually self-destruct. It's not us. It's usually them. And he comes out first drive, he always lets the offense dictate him. Dictate him. And the teams that we're playing so far, uh, the, the Pittsburgh, the Virginia, they're lesser offenses. You can dictate them with your play calling. Uh, I, I look at, I hate to harp on this, I look at the Nolan Turner kid from Clemson who probably shouldn't really be on the, I, I'm pretty sure Clemson has better athletes than Nolan Turner somewhere, some you know. Uh, but they basically he comes out and says, hey, I'm going to dictate what you do. You know, no matter what our weaknesses are, Okay, that's our weakness, find it. But we're going to dictate what you do. Our defense doesn't do that. Don't attempt to do that. And we have a, a better, if you look at our front four, we have a pretty good front four to where we're able to do that. Um, uh, uh, that that's disappointing. And I think um, one of the things we talked about last week with Blake Baker and Manny Diaz is, well, this is Manny Diaz's defense. Um, true. But if you watch and look at the last couple of years of how the defense has been called, it is called, I ain't going to say completely different, but a lot is different in how Manny Diaz called defense and Blake Baker calling defense. Diaz you know, was very aggressive. Diaz, made, he set a tone. Uh, Blake Baker doesn't do that. He basically sits back, plays cover three, and lets you catch and we run up a tackle. You know, Lemuel, we, we, I, I actually asked Blake Baker about that, and that, that's another one I wish I'd cut, but I didn't. But uh, what Blake told told me was is basically that when they game plan on defense, it's a group effort with him, Manny, and the defensive staff. And they decide what they're going to do and what they're going to call in different situations, and, and they put a game plan together. Uh, when they get to game day, obviously Blake is making the calls, but Manny – is right there with him on the headset. And and Manny always has the capability of making the call. And there are times when Manny will tell Blake what he wants. So I think this whole mindset uh, that Blake Baker is not 
running Manny Diaz's defense is, is, is false. I mean, I don't, you know, and you're not the only one who has said that. And, and it's been a, for whatever reason, it's been a big topic of conversation this year, but they are a team without question. It is, it is without question, Manny Diaz's defense. And while Blake Baker, after they, they, as a group, put a game plan together and decide what they're going to call in different situations. And Blake is making those calls. Manny has overrule authority on every single call. And when Manny wants to make a call, it, it obviously becomes a, a one man dictatorship. You know, he's the head coach and he has the right to make any call he wants. And if it turns out great, great. If it, ter- if it turns out bad, it turns out bad, but he does have that veto authority and he has the capability of injecting himself into the equation at any time he wants. Well, Gary, let me tell you something about play calling because I played, I did play calling before. Um, it's still a difference. I don't care if it's Manny Diaz's um, exact script defense. When you're a play caller, Blake Baker is not the same person as Manny Diaz. Just by human nature. So there are going to be some things that are different, and you, you can say that it can be great, it sounds great, but that tape does not lie. The tape does not lie. Not only that. Manny Diaz took over after um, um, who was the dude, no, Coach No D. He took over, changed the whole philosophy, changed positions, and the defense still looks better than what the defense that Blake Baker's running out. So I can't. So all of that, that's great, that's nice to hear, but turn on the tape. That's all you have to do. I I, I didn't see when I turned on the tape with Manny Diaz and his defense back. I didn't see. A lot of third and tens where the uh, cornerback is 15 yards off. I didn't see it not against a Virginia. I didn't see that. I didn't see a lot of where we have uh, uh, zones on, on big third and longs where they was basically getting those big third and longs like that. Didn't see that. Philosophy may be the same, but the play calling, I'm telling you, is different. Also, I want you to think back. When we played Wisconsin, I remember – in that Orange Bowl, and they, that whole year, matter of fact, Manny Diaz played a lot more man defense, a lot more. Matter of fact, in that well, Orange Bowl, we basically exclusively man defense. And we can't say that they had that much better corners because we had that Javante Dean dude that couldn't cover uh, a, a, a steel chair. So uh, at, the, at the end of the day, this is a different defense. I don't care what they tell you. Well, but but Lemo, I, I, I do think personnel does come into play. I mean, I I don't agree with you. We I don't think the corners. I don't think the corners today are as good as they were four years ago. I don't um, think Al Blades is close to as good as Michael Jackson was. No, I don't. Um, you don't think he better? And, Michael Jackson got towed up against Wisconsin receivers, man. I understand. He got towed up. Against, they got I understand, and and, and and if these guys get tested by a good quarterback, which they may not see really until uh, a really good quarterback until Sam Howell in the last game of the year, um, we'll see what happens. But, I, I mean, I, I think personnel does dictate the style of defense and how aggressive they are on the outside. Well, I just – I'll put it like this, then it's not development. Uh, to Corey Couch, i never forget this. Um, it was an All-American Bowl. Dion was actually one of the coaches at the All-American Bowl. And to Corey Couch, who was there at that Armory American Bowl, playing ball with the top players in the nation, like jamming, playing ball, covering with some of the best. So that tells you right there, the ability has been there. So we can come off. Uh, uh, to Corey Couch was All-American. Al Blaze was an All-American. So 
What is it? I'm going to raise this question. Gervin Hall was so wanted by Nick Saban, he came down on his jet to want to get him, right? So why is it that when they come to Miami, there's some type of, well, we, we don't have the talent level? Because I guarantee if we get that same player, uh, Jordan Battle is starting in Alabama. If we get that same player, we're not developing in the same way. So there's a drop-off somewhere in there with the development. Because when we look at players, Al Blaze was in the All-American game. Takori Cash was in the All-American game. Gervin Hall was in the All-American game. Bubba mm-hmm. Bolden was in the All-American game. So it's not like we devoid of talent. Against Virginia, no. I mean, against Virginia, no. You, you, can't, you can't sit there and tell me we don't have the talent to go against Virginia man-to-man. If we don't have the talent to go against Virginia man-to-man with four All-Americans, somebody, somebody on that coaching staff, whoever coaches them, needs to be replaced because that shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You could, we, could, we could sit here and act like it's talent, but I could go down this roster right now, and we could talk about talent, All-American guy, and some of that doesn't somewhat matter in high school, but when they go to other places, you know, the talent is when a five-star receiver go to Alabama, they ball. When they come to us, Mark Pope is different. I could, I could almost put you. Uh, 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 I'll put a bet. If Mark Pope would have went to Alabama, I think the development would have been totally different. I'm just, it's just proof, proof is in the pudding. So I'm, a, I'm gonna leave with this. On the defense, what is it to where on our defense right now, where Black Blake Baker and his staff is not developing to where we cannot play aggressively against lesser teams. Because we can't say it's not talent. Because if you look down that roster and the recruiting of that roster and defensive back and cornerback, it's there for what's playing. It's there. So I mean, if, 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 if you're asking me for my opinion, I think it's personnel related. I really do. I, I, I think that that we hype, we tend as fans and being as close to the team as we are, I think we tend to overhype certain certain things and and if it's it might be lack of development i'm not saying you're wrong on that but you know i'm looking at what i'm looking at and i'm seeing you know that we're relatively average at defensive tackle i think harrison hunt flashes from time to time i think nesta flashes from time to time i don't think john ford's done a damn thing the whole year uh i think and 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 there's no consistency at at defensive tackle at defensive end i think it's the strength of the it's the it, I think defensive end Lemuel is the strength of the defense, but let's be honest. I mean, we're sitting here halfway through the season, and you've got uh, Quincy Roche, who I think has two and a half sacks, and you've got Jalen Phillips, who I think has two sacks, and that's it for your defensive ends. Okay, these are supposed to be great defensive ends. They don't, they don't have the numbers to back up the great term. I mean, and, and these guys are probably both going to play in the National Football League, but you know, you're not getting out-of-the-world performance out of them. I think where averages can be at linebacker, uh, I mean, we're at the point where a true freshman who doesn't even know what the hell he's doing yet comes into the game, and if he flashes for a play or two, we're all excited, and we're ready to see him in the game for 80, 80, 80 plays now. I mean, that's where we're at at linebacker. Uh, I think, personally, the cornerbacks or averages can be, and the safeties – are are pretty darn good players when they're not getting targeting penalties and getting thrown out of the game. So, like, I I think that we're very fortunate that the ACC is a conference full of very average teams, and 
that we're able to get through these games winning winning this year, which is better than we did last year when we were losing a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I don't think that they can necessarily blitz as much as they probably would like to because I don't think they, they feel confident that they're going to hold up uh, play after play after play doing that. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, we're just differing there. But, Gary, I want, I want to just preg up this one last point. I remember when uh used to call back back in the day, and we were switching defensive coordinators. And I was adamant that it was talent there to have a good defense. And you was like, oh, no, you know, we think, we think it's Coach D. We say it's Coach D, but there's really not no talent there. And Manny Diaz came in and put the right system in place. And those guys played to their ability because they thrived in a system that fit them. Miami players would never thrive. Just their, it's not in their DNA. Thrive in no bend and break defense. Never but, will. But Coach D left, left Manny Diaz a lot of talent. Okay, let, let, let's be honest. He had the linebackers. You had the linebackers in place. You had guys. You had guys like Jaquan Johnson, Sheldrick Redwine, who are NFL safeties. Um, At that time, you weren't saying that though, Gary. You were saying, "Listen, guys, it's not that much talent on this defense." You was this what you were saying? I never forget it. You were saying, "Guys, it's not that much talent on this defense." I know we want to blame Coach D, but it's not that much talent. Well, well, I mean, you had, you had McIntosh and Norton at tackle. You had Joe Jackson. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I'm leaving. I'm leaving guys. I'm leaving guys out. Yeah, but you yeah. had a lot more talent than you have today. I'm not saying it was out of this world, but you have more than you had today than you have today, Lemuel. But yeah, yeah, but that was that's that's what we could say after the fact. Before the fact, we weren't saying that though. That's what I'm telling you. Before I mean, the it fact, wasn't yeah, it I'm wasn't like out that. of this world. I mean, it was good. No, it was better not, than no, it is no, today, no, though. Not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It but was, but my point is, it was better than it is today. Would you agree with that? I would agree because of the linebackers. Okay. I think that's pivotal in this defense. So, I mean, I would have to agree with that. And Norton and McIntosh on the inside. I think Nestor and Harrison Hunt is there. But I just think John Ford don't give enough to give as a group to, to push us there. So, I can agree with that. But I don't think the secondary – is as bad as you think. Not if we can't cover Virginia man to man, we in trouble. Like you should be able well, to, on the. Did third you see they had two? They had two. One of them got called back by a, tick, a penalty. But did you see they had two busted coverages that resulted in touchdowns yeah. against Virginia? That was a that was a miscommunication with. Um, well, Blaise, okay, uh, but that, those are breakdowns, right? I get that. But guess what? If he playing a man to man, he ain't got to think about where he need to be. He could just go to the receiver and say, I got him, period, right? So take out the thinking. Stop. Well, and, and I don't remember the play. I don't remember if there were, if there were guys who was, might have been blitzing on the play and why they might have been playing the coverage no, in the secondary. It was just a, it was straight just coverage. And I guess he forgot. Yeah, straight coverage, and I guess he forgot, wasn't thinking. He was trying to get a – he was trying to actually talk to the other corner in the slot, and they just snapped the ball and they got him. But – I, I'm, I get all that, but 30, 10, 15 yards off, I can, I, that's hard for me to take. I'm going to let some other college get on game. I'm with you. Like, I, I'm, I'm, my, my taste is the same as your taste. I like cornerbacks that can get in the face and you know, throw guys off routes and you know, disrupt things. I'm, I don't like soft zones either. But, I'm, with, uh, I'm with you. I know, I know Gary. I, know. I just I don't, know know that these, that the, I don't know that these guys are capable of it play after play after play. All right, Lemuel. Gotcha. Guy, right, great man. talking to you. We'll get you next time. Yep. Have a great night. All right. Now, if I can find them here, we're going to go out to our voice of the fan 
Bruce Warner. Um, we do not have no former players on the on the docket for tonight. Uh, it's just going to be Bruce Solo. If I can uh, if I can locate him here, I know I know he's here somewhere. Um, give me about another five seconds, and hopefully I'll have him. Uh, here we go. Bruce, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? No, that's wait a minute. I screwed up. Sorry, guys. Here he is. Bruce, welcome to Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, man? Good show. It took me a second. It took took me a second to find you. Well, I just gave you a different number. Oh, I see what you did. You hit the one. You hit the one. It shot you up the the queue. There. All right. Yeah. So this last caller, Lemuel, he, he was pretty spot on. I agree with him a thousand percent. I don't want to see this 10, 15 yards off the ball. I mean, we just had Dwayne Starks on a few weeks ago. He said the same thing. You, you got to play aggressively. It's not in their nature to play that. They, when they were playing top or TV football, that's what they played. So now all of a sudden they're 10, 15 yards off the ball. It's hard to play like that, Gary. It really is. Yeah, I mean, he 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 makes a good point. I I, I like bum coverage too. I I do. Yeah, I know. And then you know, I just don't know that these guys, guys would hold up if they tried to do it a lot. Well, you got to rotate these guys. You got whatever you got to do, but still, you just can't let let these guys sit in the pocket all day and these they take three step drops and are throwing to guys that you know where they're exactly where they're going to be. This way, if you're jamming them, it's not going to happen. But, you know, that's another aspect. Now, I'll tell you what, there's a couple of things that have been, I've been seeing on Kane Sport, and it's pissing me off. This kid last week was able to get out of the pocket constantly and run. What do you have, 80 yards? That can't happen against Hooker. I mean, I'm not, I don't even know the quarterback at NC State. And I don't want to, I don't want to assume we're going to beat these guys because we're not that good lately. But Hooker's going to go crazy on Miami if they don't start tackling guys in the backfield. You know, I think you realize that. He's not that great of a of a quarterback, but he can sure run. Yeah, he's pretty good. I think he's decent. I think he's he's better than average, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I think if we and, don't start getting some, getting some pressure on these quarterbacks, um, yeah, I don't know. I, Howell's going to pick us apart. I'm mystified. Like, I didn't expect Roche to come in here. I think he had 13 sacks at Temple last year. I knew he probably wasn't going to get the 13 you know, in the ACC, I mean, there's just a difference in, in the level of play between two, the two uh, schools and conferences. But I certainly thought he'd have more than two at this point of the season, two and a half at this point of the season. I'm kind of shocked yeah, that both but, him but let's, that, but, but you know, Gary, that they're not doing better. We talked, Gary, don't be shocked. We talked about this a hundred times. Whenever we have a D tackle line, tell us the same thing. Our D tackles are not drawing double teams. This is not Cortez and Russell aren't playing out there, and you don't see Sap out there. They're not there, and you know obviously Jerome's not there anymore. So these guys are getting double teamed. They're getting Chip Phillips and him, and and the two interior guys. They have, you know, they they can go one on one and not go anyplace. That's why you see sometimes um, Hunt gets in the backfield, but Ford hasn't done that. But well, Hunt, yeah, Hunt leads the team in sacks. Plain English. Yeah. Hunt, so Hunt, Hunt is the team good. leader in sacks. <laughs> yeah, well, he gets in the backfield because he, he's an athlete. He can get up the field. The other guy is nothing. Ford's terrible. But what else can you do? You know, uh, Nestor's you, I, Nestor had 21 snaps the other day. What happened? Did you, no. you saw you, – you're the one that gave out the stats. It was, a, it was on Kane Sport. He was in for yeah. 21 or 24 plays. How yeah. could that be? I mean, what is, uh, what is Baker may, doing? Maybe he was a little nicked up. Line? I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe he's a little nicked. Like it. it didn't seem like it to me. He seemed like he was raring to go. So let's get back to the offense and the big topic this week, which is um, the play calling. I, I'm, I, I'm disturbed by it. I'm not saying he, he can't coach. He knows what he's doing. But you got to get this kid out of the pocket. He's so small, he can't, he can't possibly see the receivers down the field. When he's throwing down the field these bombs, he's just chucking the ball and hoping for the best. But on the underneath stuff, if he doesn't see anything, that's why the balls, you know, some of his balls are high, they're low. I'd love to see them roll the pocket or him just, you know, roll out on his own in the runner throw. Um, not a big fan of those passes that they throw it right to the sideline where the receiver's like an inch away from the sideline. That ball, those balls almost got picked off twice last week. So that stuff has to stop. Uh, maybe some sweeps with the running backs tossing it instead of just handing it off and running off tackle. Something has to be different because I'm very concerned about us getting bogged down again like the last couple of weeks. A score right away, and then they're bogged down for like half the rest of the, the first half and part of the second half, and then they score. That's frightening. They've got to be able to score because they're not going to beat North Carolina with 19 points. They're not going to beat Vautech with 19 points. They have to do something. And I, I don't know. Can it all be the offensive line, Gary? Is it, is it all on them? It's, a, it, it, it's that. a big part of it. You know, Lashley likes to run the ball. Uh, you know, everyone, you know, thinks about the, 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 the up-tempo spread and thinks about a lot of throwing. Um, but really, Lashley likes to run the ball. And, you know, people think it's going to be 50-50. I think he prefers that it be, you know, basically two-thirds to, to one-third. He likes to run the football. And he's having a hard time doing it with this offensive line. And, uh you know, we talked about earlier in the show the play calling inside the five on that one series where they got held to the field goal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they he ran at three, three, I think three straight plays, and they and they got sh- they got shut out of the end zone. Um, he likes to run the football, and right now, the for several weeks now, it's not working. Yeah, but they're rushing up the middle, so they're taking that away from us. So he knows that. If I know it, you know it. He has to know it. They're coming up the middle. They were blitzing these guys left and right the other day, and they did it. To, Pitt did it too. And so they're forcing King to do something other than sit in the pocket. There's no time. I think one of your calls, the Mikester, whatever the hell his name is, he said you should run, um, you know, out and ups, fake the out and then run. Who's got time to sit in the pocket and wait for that to happen? Well, Bruce, they have had time. The, the pass protection, the pass protection's been been massively better this year. Well, the, you see how many plays Mallory was in on? He was in 71 plays, but he only was out catching passes, maybe eight. The rest of them I was watching. He was in tight. He wasn't even off. He wasn't even lined up in, the, in, you know, like in a slot. He was in tight helping with the blocking. That's why they had some better pass protection because he was in there. Look at the film. I watched it. So, you know, that's if you're going to take Mallory out of your own offense, this is what you're left with, Mike Harley, and then the other guys just barely catch it. Pope had a few catches. Wiggins is non-existent. He was in for 80, 70, 80 plays. I, I just don't get all of this stuff. You know, I, I have a problem. They need to be able to get the ball to the outside somehow, either those toss sweeps or he's got a – and De'Ara King, I, I think, they need to start faking the handoffs on the, on the run-pass option and let him run with it. No, you don't want him to get killed, but, I, I, you know, if you look at it, Several times, all he had to do was fake the handoff, and he could have had some decent yards. That's what I think they need. To do. They got to switch this up a little bit because he's well, going to get you, killed. You know, I, I think Lashley wants King to do that a little more often, but he also has more rushing attempts than anybody on the team. 
I mean, the quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I don't know how much, you're, you know, you have him running. I mean, I know a lot of them have been on scrambles, but, you know, he's the leading rusher on the team. I mean, you yeah, know, if, if, if you purpose, if you take the yards for loss from sacks out of the equation, he's gained more positive yards than anybody on the team. Um, but, okay. you know, and he has more rushing attempts than anybody on the team. And, and, and Lashley did say he wants him to, you know, to take it himself a little bit more on the on the uh, on the uh, um, on the run pass options and and and, and you know, and the, you know, the, those read the read options that he wants him to, to to keep it and run himself a little bit more. But I, you know, well, I don't, I don't know. They're biting on that every time he fakes. They're biting on it almost every single time. That's why those other passes that worked in the first couple of games, where he fakes those handoffs and he dips and then he throws the ball over the top. That's why those plays were working. But now they're just eating that person up alive, and he's not going to be able to do that. And he's got to figure out a way. He tries to get the ball to the outside with those quick passes, but you know they're onto that too. They're going to have to figure out how to get those running backs wide or screens. Where's the screens? I mean, he's little. It's hard for him to throw a screen. Not easy. He has to really put the ball up in the air. I thought he tried one the other day to the left side, maybe to Knighton, but it was a horrible throw. He just doesn't have any touch on it because he's so small. So he's limited, and I think the defenses are, are rushing up the middle to take him out of the game and to take the running game and make him beat them in the air. Um, so that's why I think we look so sluggish and so inconsistent on offense. It's, it's either a big play or it's a nothing. It's either a big play or it's a nothing. Um, but, you know, uh, Lashley's got to come up with some things that make it easier for him and the offense without having to rely on running off tackle all the time or throwing bombs. I think there's he's got to figure it out because maybe he can get away with it this week, the next week, I mean, but against Vatek, uh-uh. Their, their, their defense is they're, – they're aggressive. North Carolina, they're going to put up 35, 40 points on us. It's not going to be easy, so – uh, uh, you know, I don't know what to say about that. Um, what else you got on the agenda? Amari All right, well, go, going back to your original point about the defensive tackles, um, Virginia only ran 67 plays, and it, and it looks like they did divide the snaps at defensive tackle almost evenly. Um, Harrison Hunt had the most with 36. Nesta did right. only have 27 sa- uh, snaps. Yeah, 27. Um, right. John, Ford, John Ford got 30, and Jordan Miller got 27. So it, it looks to okay. me like like Nesta and Jordan Miller each got 27, and the uh, in the you know Harrison Hunt, who, who I guess they feel now is playing the best of all the defensive tackles for obvious reasons, he got 36, a few extras. Because other than him and Nesta, they're the only two that are getting getting upfield. They're they're the only ones that are getting in the backfield, creating havoc. They don't make all the plays all the time, but they are blowing up plays, and that's what you have to have. So, to me, Ford is a waste. He shouldn't start anymore. Let the other guys play. You know, they let these other guys play. The problem with that is the linebackers are so bad that that the quarterbacks are just running. There's nobody near the quarterback. Uh, it's a mess. The tackling has been shoddy. It's been shoddy the last two weeks. I don't want to sit here and make, you know, say negative things. They're 5-1, and one, for God's sake. I was I'm just going to say, and they are 5-1. And, and they're 5-1. Yeah. and one. I get it. But when you start to look ahead, you think they can't play like this in the, for the rest of the season. Uh, it's it's not going to hold up. Not bad. This level will not hold up at Virginia Tech, most likely. It will probably not hold up 
against North Carolina at the end of the year, and it might not hold up at Wake Forest. I mean, that team plays really hard, and they can make some plays here and there. So uh, another they, they, team they need... that we have to jump out in front. Of. You can't let them stay in the damn game. You got to jump on those no. teams. A team like no. NC State, we got to jump on them. The Wake Forest got to jump on. Them. They don't have the high-powered well, offense. No, well, NC State lost their quarterback, so I don't think they're going to be right. able to keep up. But uh, those other teams are going to be legit challenges. Points, Gary. We got to score more I, points. We got to. I, I I agree. It's terrible. I know. Yeah. We'll see. You know. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right, Bruce. Uh, you got anything else for us? No, that's it. Take the rest of the calls. It's great. So we're off next week. So I don't have to worry about getting any players. We'll yeah, we'll be back. We'll, we'll be back two weeks from tonight. So you're making us watch the election. You gotta 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 watch, watch the election <laughs> results. Come on, uh, that's that's right. that's must see TV. All right, we'll talk now to you I in two think weeks. I'll watch Stanford and Sun reruns. All right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All, All right, right. bye bye. <laughs> that actually might be fun. Stanford and Sun reruns. I used to like that show. Um, all right, um, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Uh, let me see where I'm at here. Let's go out to the 870. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Oh, no, I've already, I've already done this okay. one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah sorry, sorry about that. I, I've already done it. Let's go to 973. You're on Kane Sport Live. Gary, Gary, Gary. What's up, Ross? Hey, Gary. Let me I, I know I, I, I know I cheated you out of time last week, so yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll make it up right. to you Listen, right now. So give it let, to us, go ahead. Yeah, let me start. Yeah, let me start out by saying this. And uh, it's not your fault. You just don't. You didn't feel like watching that Virginia game, whoever they played before they played us, because we concentrate on our own team most of the time. But Gary, I am not making this up. I'm not guessing. I'm telling you. I watched the game before they played us. And they did the same thing with the same three quarterbacks. So to say that we were Yes, prepared, but they, did, they didn't run the same, the same place. It didn't matter. You got to know they're coming with the same gimmicks. So you got to know they're going to, those three quarterbacks are going to be in the game doing yeah, gimmicks. Fair. And doing fair. different – yeah. So to say they're not, they, they threw things out that we didn't see, nonsense. N- not you. Not you, Gary, but nonsense. And none of the coaches could ever say they didn't know or even try to have a player say that. Nonsense. Let's move on. Okay. You're saying, and, and um, your guy stole my thunder a little bit by saying, the DS are being double teamed, Gary. They are. So to say that they only have two sacks, we got to give them a break. They need help. Every now and then you get sacked by having have to beat somebody one-on-one, and they're not getting that opportunity all the time. Plus, the quarterbacks that we're playing, they're either running past them or they're getting rid of the ball quicker. We're they're getting rid of the ball quick a lot. Yeah, that, no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're not playing guys that's going to hold the ball seven-yard drops anymore. So those things are, those things are, are like, you know, eh, 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 you know it's, it's kind of like it goes back and forth. Another thing, to say Sam, you, you had um, Sam Dell on, your, 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 um, your editor, for him to yep. say Cam Harris is not a difference maker, I don't put him on a list of the rest of the guys that he had on that list. The other guys, great point. Um, Cam Harris, not ready to say that yet. You know why? Because it was people last year that were saying that about Dallas and the year before. We don't know what he really is. Did you see Dallas the other night? Yeah. He's out running the routes and he's playing. So let's not yep. say that. I am, until, I, until I see different, 
I am not going to say that about our players because I think majority of the time they're not being coached up. And then when they get to the league, they start to get coached up. So, I'm, so your, 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 your specialist, respect him. I listen. But that one, that one guy, I'm not going to take him off the list. We're not ready to say Cam Harris is not a difference maker yet because we don't really know because we don't know if they're being properly, if he's being properly put in situations. He doesn't get any sweeps. He doesn't get any um, misdirection runs. He only gets the, the handoff up the middle or he has to break off. So I need him to get some sweeps on the edge or some misdirection. The, the offensive line go this way while he's going that way, and they pitch him the ball. He doesn't get any pitch or sweeps. So we don't know exactly what he could do on the edge yet because we haven't really seen it once or twice. Every time he's went to the edge, he scored. Remember that. Every time he runs to the right on the edge, he has scored. Wrong or right? Uh, if you say so. I haven't been really tracking yeah, that. Yeah, UAB, that's the way he scored on the right-hand side, coming off the tackle. And then I think it's the Louisville game when he went right up on the right-hand side, dashed to the end zone, took it to the house. Okay, Gary, just, just want to make those points. Garvin Hall also played on one leg. Kudos to him. He gets a helmet sticker for that because he could have quit and took himself out the game, and he did not. So he gets a helmet sticker for that, man. Really respect that. Um, you said before, um, Baker. Hey, Gary, I got something for you on this one. If Baker is running Manny defense, guess what? Manny should start running it then. So guess what? Why is Baker here? And usually what guys do, if they know that they have a guy that can't really – make certain calls or make do certain things, they bring him in because then he's good at other things. He's good at recruiting. He's good at doing this. He's good at doing that. So if he can't, if he's calling Manny defense, Manny doesn't need to go ahead and take the rim and call it and find something else for Baker to do then. Meaning, can he be a major big-time recruiter? He's not. So what are we doing? Why are we using two guys to do one thing? Why are we doing it, Gary? I don't know. Okay. Tight end, big time catch to start off the game by Mallory. Have no idea what we're doing by not going back to him. No idea, but he he was like a table setter. Big time catch, then they hit the bomb. So kudos to him. You know, hey, can I make a point that no one has made all year? I want to make a very very strong point. Can this dag on center start snapping the ball properly? Every time King catches the ball, he's taking it from his ankles, Gary. That's ridiculous. When are we going to fix that? Oh, you know, you, I, I, I haven't, you're the first person I've heard suggest that. I mean, I, I remember it on a couple of occasions. I, it's not to the point where I would call it a, a chronic problem. Gary, Gary, no, I went back. What I like to do, I like to watch the games afterwards. It's my team. I love watching my team. So I go and back you went and back I and tracked it. And I watch and cracked it. Gary, six out of every seven snap. And if anybody else really worth their salt. Six out of every seven? Accident, You're saying low. six out of every seven snaps is down at his it's ankles? Low. Come on, Ross. He's going to his left. No, I'm, okay, Gary, I hope somebody else come on and, and, and say the same thing. I'm not making that up. The snap is I'm gonna go. I'm going to go back and look. I'm going to go get the condensed please, game, and I'm going to go back you know and look at that. I just thought I was going to take some notes while I watched this game, and that was one of the first one I wrote down. I said, he has to, like, come on. That, he, this, that has to get better. Okay. Everybody come on and say we're not being developed, we're not being coached properly. <clears throat> it's a little bit ass-baked. It's a little ass-baked. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why they say stuff like this. Look at the tight end that came in from Naples, right? He was in the game. 
He didn't know who to line up. Whoever was trying to help him to line up kept shouting at him, like, what are you doing over here, over here, over here? And he's lost. Even the announcer said that this guy's in the game. He has no idea what he's doing. No idea what he's doing. And that's the kid from Naples. The, 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 the yep, Memorelli is true, fr- true, fr- true freshman. Yep. And he was lost. You can't be that lost. They, you've been waiting to play, and you're that lost to where to line up. How many times did you? How, how many times did you see that? Well, you maybe once or twice. What you mean? It, it you didn't see that a lot. No, but I'm just saying it's just. It's okay, I mean, I think I think it might have happened once or twice. I mean, the kid only played 11 plays. Hey, Gary, when we need guys to come in that's been waiting for a while, and they need to be in the game, and you're sticking them in a situation like that. And also, um, the, the first touchdown that Virginia had, Gary. If people paid attention, the offensive lineman, was, that was a false start. Flag was never thrown. I promise you the tackle, false start. He did. I, I, I slowed it down. I went back and I watched, and they never threw the flag. Nonsense. Carter, oh, my God. He's going to have a lot of explaining to do to these NFL um, guys. Because I think he's the guy that's going to get invited to the combine. He's going to have to do a lot of explaining of, tell me, tell me, what do you do? What do you see? What are you doing out there when you're getting all these um, targeting? Are you studying stuff before, before in the week? Are they working? He's going to have a lot of answering to do that. This is ridiculous. And mm-hmm. to say that we can't pull him off or we can't punish him, you know, if you look at it. Oh, we're not saying any, we're anyway. not saying that you can't. We're saying that he's not getting punished for it. Other than yeah, other know, than the penalty he pays for getting it, which is exactly you always so got to sit out of half. Yeah, what else do you visually get to see? You don't really get to see them do anything else because they can't. They're not going to tell you that they do anything else. So they're going to say, "Well, he's being punished already. So what more can we do? What you could do, and you can't. You know what? You can't cut your nose off to spite your face because we don't have the help. And again, oh man, the game ball. I'll be remiss to come off of here. And not mention Mike Harley. The game ball, the great game, game ball, goes to that young yep. man. No doubt, he deserved it. The game ball goes to him. And I just don't like the fact that we're calling timeouts again in stupid situations where we should be more prepared. All right, and we should know how to play in the rain better than your your opponent. We're from the rain. We're from the rain. Yeah. And, and 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 on on that play on that defensive back call, honestly, Gary. We should start be playing more man to man. We need to start doing more jams because there's, there's no reason why. We're yeah, I just like like I said earlier, I don't, I just don't know that the coaches have confidence that they will hold up play after play after play if they try to play with that style in, in oh, the secondary. One last one for me, and I'm glad you said that because I want, I want one last one. I'm off the, I'm off the phone. The weight room. I'm glad you said what you just said because now I'm, I got to make my point. The weight room. When you're saying you're not sure what's going on with the guy and da da da. Guess what? If Pope or anybody that's not putting that work in the, in, in the weight room like they're supposed to, then they don't deserve to be on the field. Yeah, well, we don't know that that's the case. I mean, you know, I would doubt that's the case. I mean, I'm sure he's in there working like everybody else. He just might not be able to gain weight. Yeah, but then you've got to be wiry strong. And I hate to compare football to basketball, but the Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller was never a bulky guy, but he was wiry strong. He was wiry strong. Okay. Yeah. So you got to be wiry strong. Pope is not wiry strong. 
um, what's his name? Ivy's not Warren. Um, is it Ivy? Who's the um, other uh, wide receiver? Number eight. He's not. He's not wiry strong. They, every time they get hit, they're keys over. They're, they're bent over. You got to wait seventeen years for them to get up and get back and get back lined up, or they, they're putting their hands up to get off the field. I'm done, Gary. All right, he Ross. To scare me, but we should yes. beat North Carolina State. And, and Gary, the center is not getting him the ball. In a, in right, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take a look at that. In, in general, Corey Gaynor had a horrible game last week, but I'll take a look Keep at the snaps. All right, man. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Thanks for being part of the show. As always, let's go to the 917. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? BK Hurricane. What's up, BK? What you got for us? Doing good. Doing good. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I have to, um, I have to agree with you in a lot of points you were making about the defense. Granted, the defense is, isn't horrible, you know, and no. especially in this age of college football, we still held, whether you want to look at it or not, if you take away that last play, we still held Virginia to seven points, 14 yep. points, seven points, whatever you want to call it. But you're right. Um, Redwine is not coming back. Cornell is not coming back. Michael Jackson is not coming back. Last time I checked, Denzel Perriman plays for the Chargers. Jenkins <laughs> plays for the Chargers. All these guys – they were all part of, of of Manny Diaz defenses, right? Right, right. All these guys that we didn't miss on all became something. You know, you maybe not so much Michael Jackson. You know, he's he's struggling to try to make a way, but he was a great college quarterback. He was a great college quarterback. He was he was a great college quarterback. Granted, that doesn't always translate into the NFL, but for what we had, he was very good. The same with Cornelder. He was very good, and he and he was a converted running back. Uh, he played running back in high school, and they were able to convert him to a very serviceable starting cornerback in a major school. But the biggest issue, even though we do have the void of the vo- you know slight of a void of talent on defense, so you do have to give Manny Diaz and Blake Baker some credit for holding it together. But the biggest concern is on offense. Um, we can't keep up with those teams that are going to score. This is a this is you know this is a new age of college football. You have to be able to find a way to score and score as much as you can. And by us putting up 19 points against Virginia is just is just ridiculous. You know, it's it's it just it just it just doesn't make sense to me when lesser schools are putting are putting up the points granted they're losing but they're still putting up points you you have to be able to put points up in this age of college football and i don't know where the misses are you know well it's blatantly obvious the misses are on the offensive line you know our offense is predicated on the run everything revolves around the run we run and so we could pass not the other way around now teams are daring us to pass <laughs> If we can't complete too many of those passes downfield to get those guys out of the box, we're stuck. Because once Clemson gave everybody a blueprint, everybody's following the blueprint, and all of a sudden we can't run the ball. You're making a very good point, and I think that that's something that we haven't really talked about, but – you know, there is now a scouting report. There is now a book on this football team, and there was no no such thing at the beginning of the year. You had the transfers, you had the new coaches, you know, you had a lot going on that the teams we were playing, while they didn't even have, 
you know, decent defenses to begin with. Also, I had no clue what we were going to be doing and, and how Rhett Lashley was going to run this offense with this personnel. And, you know, you had a lot of things going on that kind of impeded the ability of some of these teams to maybe do as good a job as now these teams are doing here as we're getting to the middle of the season. So, you know, that's a factor. Yeah, you know, every team moving forward is going to ha- have to prove you know, they're going to force UM to prove to them that they can complete passes in the middle of the field consistently. Consistently. And if they can't do that, they're, they're going to stack eight men in the box, as usual, and, 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 and dare you to run on them. Because they'll give up those passes. They'll, they'll give up those passes. A better team like Virginia, will, will 19 points will not be good enough against most of the teams were playing the rest of the way. 19 points will not be good enough for Virginia Tech. 19 mm-hmm. points will not be good enough for Clemson. I'm not sure about this North Carolina team. I don't follow them that well. But the offense has got to get it together. And I don't know how this is going to translate into recruiting for 2022. But I think they have, you know, I mean, for 2021, what are we at? 2021 or 2022? I'm not, oh, 2021. 2021 right now. This class is done. So we just have to hold together just to keep the 2021 class, and hopefully for the 2022 class, we could really start addressing the needs at linebacker, defensive tackle, cornerback, and wide receiver, and we still got to keep stacking offensive linemen. We got to stack offensive linemen the rest of the way. And hopefully Garen Justice and all these new coaches that we have in there can now really recruit the guys that they want. Because regardless of what people say, Likens didn't recruit any of these guys. You know, Garen Justice didn't recruit any of these guys. All these guys came in in January where the classes were pretty much done already. You know what I'm saying? You know, they don't have their guys. They didn't recruit their guys. Likens put two two guys that were, you know, sort of unknown coming out of high school and put them in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So let's give him a chance to recruit his guys. Let's give Jaron, uh, Garen Justice a chance to recruit his guys, and let's see what happens. So, you know, a one-year sample is not enough, but we still have to hold on and win games and start stacking talent in order to get to a point now where we could compete with Clemson. In order, you know, we could compete. I'm not saying necessarily beat because as bad as Syracuse is, Syracuse has found a way to somehow compete with Clemson. I, I can't explain it. They just have Clemson's number. You, you know, they may not win, but they don't make it easy on Clemson. Right. So hopefully we, right, hopefully we can get to a point now. Let's just hold on and win. We can't no more sub, no more sub eight win seasons. It's not going to cut it. No more sub eight win seasons. Well, we you're five and one right now. And you know, I, I I do think there's there's some tough games down the down the road, but right now it's looking like they're gonna not have a sub eight win season. Yeah, we got to find a way. We have to start finding a way to win. Just like when Clemson was building their teams, they were finding ways to win. Recruits started to believe, hey, we could go to Clemson and make a difference. Hopefully, the same thing could happen to us. But we gotta keep it around eight or nine. Just, just to keep guys from bailing on us, you know, just to keep guys from bailing on us, and then we could probably build something. But consistent eight wins or below is not going to cut it. Is just not going to cut it. And then we'll, and then we're going to be set back another five, six, seven, eight years. You know, whatever it is, if we have to replace. Uh, all right, all right, BK. Well, ho- yeah, hopefully the rest of the year goes well. 
you know, it's going to yeah, be interesting. Gonna, they're going to have to play better than they've been playing the last few weeks. Well, we have to. Uh, Lashley's got to figure it out. He's got to add some new wrinkles or something. You know, do you know? You know, have him, have Nikosi and 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 King on the field. I don't know. I'm just throwing I'm just throwing stuff you know out the window. But you know, let them figure out who can pass. But wait. But speaking of Nikosi Perry, he 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 hasn't progressed very much at all. For the few well, times I, he's been in there, he, he's, he's not playing much. You can't really judge. He's only been in there for a few plays. I agree. The few plays have not I been know, very the good. Plays that he was in, they're bad plays. Yeah, I agree. Plays. All right, BK, I got to let you go because we got a lot of guys that want to get on here in the last hour. But um, you know, we'll see. You know, maybe Nikosi will get a, a little bit of the deeper body of work. I don't think we have a lot to judge off of. I agree. He hasn't looked good when he's been in. We'll talk to you in two weeks. All right, keep me on. You got it, man. Let's go out to the 865. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up, man? Doing great. Who's this? It's James, Tennessee. Hey, what's up, James? Talk to us. What you got? Uh, well, I just want to make sure. We won on Saturday, right? I just wanted to make sure. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, we're now going into hour number three, and the Canes Nation is not happy. Like, you know, that, that, that 1914 victory over Virginia just it didn't do it for everybody. <laughs> I, I, I guess it didn't, and, and, I, and I apologize because, you know, I, I know I talked last week that I wanted to be first, and I got a little distracted, and I got right on at 8, and I was like, yeah, I won't be on until 10 o'clock tonight. But uh, anyway, I don't want to spend any time on that. But uh, – um, you know, I, I can understand the frustration, Gary, with the, with the other with my fellow fans, and I don't want to sound like an apologist because I've got my criticisms too. But but damn, man, it's a lot fucking better to be excuse my language five and one than two and three that we were at this time after six games or, or five games or what have you last year and so forth and uh, or three and three and then it was like four and four and then we won two and everybody thought oh we're going to win out and maybe go to the Orange Bowl and then we lay a complete egg at the end and. And that could still happen this season, but I felt like we were already out of it uh, going into the third game last year. And this year, at least it's still exciting. It's no fun when your team is already two or three losses in the hole. And what the hell are you playing for? The potato bowl out in Boise or something? I mean, that's, that's the, uh, I mean, and I hate that that's what we've gotten down to, but that's the reality that it's been for, for 17 years, 16 years now and so forth as a Canes fan. And, uh, and that's what I've tried to tell people is that, look, we, we've got to win. We have got to learn how to win. We were finding ways to lose ball games these last few years. And whether we had talent or we didn't, we found ways to lose ball games. And honestly, there's improvement that's being shown. Is it the magnificent improvement that we're wanting? Absolutely not. There's definitely more room for improvement, but we're winning because we play this game with last year's team. Oh, we lose by two touchdowns, maybe even three. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, you know, talking about criticisms, I, I do want to get my, my positives out there. Uh, I want to give credit to Jalen Phillips. I mean, the kid has such a motor, and he doesn't give up. He's running guys down the field when he's five or ten yards out of the play. Same with Bubba Bolden. And I don't even want to think where we would be at without those two guys. I can't stress the, what they bring to the table, and I wish more guys, we could get guys like that, and, and we're just blessed that we have them as transfers. And Mike Harley, who I know I've probably been one of the hardest people on uh, the last few years, especially as I've, I've called in the last couple of years on this show, 
um, I, I, I want to give him props. And he really stepped it up, and I hope that maybe he just finishes out strong and, and kind of proves to be that leader, that go-to guy as the lone senior that stuck it out when everybody else that was there with him and, and didn't pan out and so forth. So I'm happy about that. But the one thing, Gary, and I know that we've talked about it to death, um, going about about what they were just talking about with, with um, Wiggins not being strong. I mean, I have never seen a receiver regress more since Lance Leggett, honestly, uh, back in the day. Of, of with with a four star came in had a decent season maybe nobody knew about him but he has actually gotten worse this year than he was last year and and I and I I, I just can't believe it I, I really can't I was hoping some decent things from him he had a couple nice games last year but he has done absolutely nothing and the only thing he did do is thank God they threw the flag on that play to extend the drive because otherwise if they hadn't, who knows if Virginia goes down there and scores and then we're, we're really pissed off as Kane's nation, Gary. And, and he's on his third coach. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, some of the guys tonight also. have been hard on the that's development true. stuff like that, but he's on his third receiver coach. I mean, I don't know. You can blame the coaching. If three, if three different guys couldn't get it out of them, I mean, it's probably going to be yeah, what it's yeah. going to be. Exactly. Exactly. And then that goes back to whoever recruited him and, and wanted to even offer him a spot on the Canes and so forth. I mean, that, that's, 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 uh, that's where it really gets uh, down to the nitty-gritty. And I'm looking at some of the younger guys, and, and I look at who your upperclassmen are. And granted, you can go through recruiting rankings of who's still there and who's not and, and who's panned out and who was a bust. But the truth of it is, is Gary, is I'm seeing more from the younger guys than I have from whoever was identifying talent on Rick's staff because many did inherit – Rick's people, as well as he recruited guys on his side of the ball, but I'm seeing the younger guys step up, and I hope that they really go more towards a youth movement and uh, and really just keep building it from there. And maybe it shows recruits or even transfers. You can come in there and play right away. I hate to sound like a like, like I'm beating a dead horse down, but that's just what I'm hoping for right now. Now, one thing that I want to touch on is people that I, I still see people on the message boards talking about Blake needs or, or not Blake, but Manny needs to be fired. They're not going to fire him. They're not going to fire him, especially if he goes 10-1. and one. Gary, am I wrong by saying that that's going to be your ACC coach of the year if they go 10-1, and one, regardless if they play Clemson again and maybe get a spot in the Orange Bowl? For that no, you're not, you're not wrong at all. Uh, so why would they fire him? That's the, I, mean, I didn't say they would. Anything, I don't think, I don't oh, think he's getting fired you. anytime soon. No, 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 I'm not saying you, Gary. I'm saying the fans, you know, like still fire him, you know, and we're five and one and, you know, uh, right in the top 20. And I know it's getting crowded and so forth. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying the fans still want to get rid of him. And it's like, but the administration, you're already fighting an uphill battle beforehand. I mean, you know, you, you even said it yourself that this was going to be a pass at the beginning of the year regardless record-wise. But now they've exceeded expectations, especially if they do finish this thing 10-1 and one and possibly play a Florida or a Georgia in the Orange Bowl if they're so lucky. You know, I mean, and, and so they're definitely not going to get rid of him. So what you've got to hope for as Canes fans is that the staff is in place, the players are starting to learn a culture, and other players want to come here, and we get the Joes, the guys that actually matter, that are the difference makers on the field, that win you these ball games if the coaching's not there. I mean, granted, I know a lot of people criticize Butch Davis's game day skills, but damn, could he identify talent. And sometimes the talent outworked and won games that maybe they shouldn't have even won back when it was the probation days and he was throwing freshmen out there when they were 20 under the scholarship limit. So that's, that's the thing that I'm hoping for is they get the guys in there that want to be canes, that can actually play, and, uh, and, and the wins will bring the recruits. It's simple as that. Kids want to win today. 
and and we'll go from there. That's what I'm I'm hoping for. Now, the one thing is, it is disappointing that we only did score 19 points, but I felt that we left 11 to 14 points out there, blocked field goal, um, not getting it in from the five yard line. But I'm hoping to God that we can get this stuff corrected, and next year we're not worrying about things like that. That we are consistently scoring 30 points. And had we not left that 11 or 14 points out there, Gary and our my fellow Canes fans, we have scored. 30 points in every ball game with the exception of playing the number one team or number two, whatever they're ranked this week in the country, Clemson. Last point that I want to make, I do want to back up my man, Ross. I think it was Ross um, that basically said about the low snaps. He's right. And I'll tell you another thing that's really concerning. The reason why those are low snaps and he did play a horrible game gainer. I'm talking about that whole interior was absolutely atrocious uh, on Saturday and they have been atrocious. And the problem is, is because you have such a lack of recruiting on that offensive line and you're finding the six best guys to rotate in and out of there is because you're almost playing positionless offensive line. This isn't basketball where you roll out one through five and just hope that you got a good lineup that works. No, you need a left tackle. You need a left guard, a center, a right guard and a right tackle and right now you've got three centers playing the interior right now and it's absolutely atrocious and it shows on the game field gary love the show want to get some other callers on here i still think we whip the wolf packs ass next friday and we have a whole different team and i'm going to be glad to see the freshmen get out there past the COVID and brevin jordan go canes all right james thank you man he's like the ever ready buddy man he he packed a lot into that call all right, this edition of Kane Sport Live is brought to you in part by JFQ Lending. With interest rates below 3% now, there has never been a better time to lock in a low fixed interest rate on your mortgage. You'll never need to think about refinancing again. Set it and forget it. And with JFQ Lending, you're guaranteed to get the highest level of customer service. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and over 3,000 five-star reviews. So if you want to save some money on your mortgage and see if you can get yourself a, a better deal, give Kyler Koppelman a call today at 323-607-8802. That's 323-607-8802. Or you can email Kyler directly at kkoppelman at jfqlending.com. That's K-K-O-P-P-E-L-M-A-N at jfqlending.com. JFQ Lending is an equal access lender licensed in over 40 states. So pretty much no matter where you live, they can help you save money on your mortgage payment. So uh, give Kyler a call today. And again, that number, 323-607-8802. All right, let's get back to your calls and let's go out now to the 706. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. This is your boy Sebastian, man. It's a good What's Good up? call What's tonight. Up? A lot of people on the line. A lot of passionate fans out there. Um, I understand where they're coming from. I understand their frustration, but I do have to say, when the schedule came out, if you told me we'd be sitting five at one, I would take it any which way we would have got it. Um, so I'm definitely excited about that. But we're going to enter the second half of the season, and there's a couple things that if we don't change, I see it us being seven and four, eight and three. And I think we could be better than that. If we end the season with nine and two, then I think we over I think we exceed it. But my expectation is going to be at for this year. I know you said we can go ten and one, but we have to make some changes. We just can't continue to go on this way. And here's some of the changes that I'd like to see. 
I think it's time now with this bye week to start really trying to insert uh, Jalen Rivers. I mean, he's a 6'5", 6'6", 300-plus pounds, you know, offensive lineman. We just just get no push. Yeah, you you know, that was actually one of the questions I was going to get to here shortly that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com. And and my response to Jalen Rivers would be, what is that based on? Like, you know, based on what? Like, you're not the only one that feels that way. Hey, let's get Jalen Rivers in there. But we're we're not basing it on anything. Like, it's not like we watched him play great in practice or, or, you know, like Manny, Manny says that he's doing pretty well. Um, you know, I'll try to ask. We're going to talk to Garen Justice tomorrow. We'll try to ask okay. see if he what, what he says about Jalen. But I don't think you could just say put Jalen in there. It's going to make the O line better. Put him in there and take who out? And how do we hear know that out, who you're taking hear out isn't out. isn't doing better than him? Hear, hear me out. Just hear me out, Garrett. Fine. Ask the question tomorrow. I appreciate you. The reason why I say that, Garrett, if you look at our interior right now, if you want to stop the run, all you have to do is just hold for one second when we try to run the ball. We get no push. And the other reason why I say I would put Jalen Rivers out there, Gary, I'll be honest with you, man. I don't know if I really see the effort from Safe and from um, who's the other guy, uh, Clark. I just don't see the effort, man. I just, you know, and when the Canes football teams were good, um, we it wasn't like we had the best center and the best – well, we had decent centers. It wasn't like we had the best guards. But we, they played hard. And I'm telling you, this second half of the season where we're going against Wake Forest, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, we need to be able to do that. When we play Virginia Tech, they don't normally have a dominant defensive tackle. They just know how to play with leverage. They know how to fill, fill their gaps. And they give us fits. They've given us fits for the last 10 years. And you can't tell me one defensive tackle that's been drafted high from Virginia Tech. In the last 15 years, but they give us fits and they make us look silly, you know. And so when you say based on what, I'm just telling you what I see is when I watch the game, I hope you rewatch the tape. I mean, you're saying that we didn't play well on the offensive line, we just got whooped, just really doesn't cut it, Gary. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying the second half of the season, if we don't do anything, I have this conversation with you in about four weeks, seven and four, eight and three. You know, we, we definitely have to do something. And, and it's going to start with us being able to run the ball. I don't think you could put all of that on um, Derek King's shoulders. Second thing, the second change that I think that we need to make is, you know, I know they really got on the wide receivers. They gave us a depth chart with nine, when nine of them was going to play. And, you know, that that sense of entitlement, knowing that your playing time is going to be taken away. I mean, look at Mark Harley. I mean, he balled out. He balled out. I mean, 10 catches, 170 yards. And here's the funny thing about Mike Harley. I think Mike Harley physically has developed a whole lot better than Wiggins and Pope. And I know we spent a lot of time on that. But I'm glad they brought it up. When I look at them, they look like they're 16 years old still in high school. And so I know you have a lot of things you want to say about Philly or whatnot, but what I would like to see is I would like to see Smith get a little bit more burned, and I'd like to see Reddings get a little bit burned, more burned. Because here's what I'm because here's what I see: when we go into these games against Forest, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina, we have to have wide receivers that can win fifty-fifty balls. Yeah. All right, but let me and, stop you for a minute. You know, and, and I get okay. what you're saying, but they just had a competition last week, right? 
and they opened mm-hmm. it up to all nine all nine guys and it took them back to where they started you know with with pope uh with harley and with wiggins pope played 60 snaps um harley played 66 snaps and wiggins played they say 78 snaps okay uh I, I don't know if that's accurate or not but that's what that's what the count is okay so that's what that's where they ended up which means that wiggins probably had the best week in practice and pope and harley were right there but those are the same three guys that they've been starting all year so and and i'm not saying you're wrong i'm i'm i've been saying the same thing i would like to see more of redding i would like to see more of Keyshawn smith um i would like to see more of jeremiah payton just to see what they did what they you know what they can do but like after a week of supposed competition, I mean, Peyton got 23 snaps, but uh, Keyshawn Smith was only out there for three plays, and and um, and, and Redding and Redding didn't touch the field. So what does that tell you? That tells us that at least unless Rob Likens and and um, Rhett Lashley don't have a freaking clue, it tells you that those kids are not doing very well in practice. Let me answer that question. You asked me a question, let me answer. What that tells me is, it tells me nothing. And here's what I mean, it tells me nothing. Well, then you're saying the coaches don't have a clue. No, I'm not saying the coaches don't have a clue. Is what I'm saying, Gary, is give these young guys an opportunity. I mean, when we – I'm telling you. They gave them the an rest, opportunity. They gave it to them. It was a wide – they took just, the receiver just, position, and they told all yeah, nine guys, yeah. this is wide open, anybody can start. Isn't that an opportunity? Come on, man. That's not an opportunity. Smith got three plays. That's not. But obviously, he didn't show out in practice. That's what. That's the point I'm making. They 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 ended up back where they started. Okay, Gary. Let me talk. You made that point. The point I'm trying to make is, as a fan, when I see we have thrown the deep ball at least nine times to Derek Wiggins. And he falls down every single time. There's going to be another caller that's going to come right behind me that's going to say the exact same thing. And what I'm telling you is, you say they gave him an opportunity. I would like to take a shot. Well, Michael Redding's going down the field. Yeah, but, but Michael Redding clearly, a- did, they didn't put him in the game for one play, although he might have been on the COVID Was he on that COVID list? I think I think. Yeah, I think he was COVID. on the COVID was, list, so that's not fair. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. I forgot about the COVID list. He yeah, he might have been yeah, on that yeah. COVID list, but he, but the point is, the, but the but the point is, they opened it up. I got it, Gary. But you now Restrepo was on the COVID list too. So so you know, in fairness, we don't know how they practiced, and and even if they got to practice for how we don't know how much of the week that they even got to practice. I'm not using up your time. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm just, just saying that when, when a coach opens up Gary. a position the way they did, that's giving everybody an equal opportunity. Okay, Gary. Okay. Par for the course. But what I'm saying is – So the guys that could play that, didn't get to play a lot. Keyshawn okay. Smith could have played. They gave him three plays. That's what I'm – so when you're arguing with me saying they gave him an opportunity – I'm not arguing with you. I'm telling you that tells me he had a really bad week of practice. <laughs> but But – because you, you're you're astutely game? pointing out that Wiggins doesn't play he, great, which I don't game? disagree with you. I don't disagree yeah. with you, but Wiggins, who doesn't play great, got to play 78 snaps, and Keyshawn Smith got to play three. What does that tell you? Gary, 
Well, it tells me nothing, Gary. And I know you. Oh, then you're, to then you're just being hard-headed. Well, well, okay, then, then, then what I'm, you're saying is you, you know better than Rob Likens because because if he's putting one guy out there for 78 snaps and another guy out there for three, then what that tells you is that that guy didn't practice even in the in the stratosphere the same as D. Wiggins. Gary, but what I'm saying is, even the guys that he put on the field, when I'm throwing the ball deep to Wiggins who has not developed physically as what I've seen. He looks just as scrawny as he did when he was a true freshman. He falls down all the time. Okay, I and agree with – I'm telling you I agree with you. But they okay, put him out there Gary. for 78 plays. Okay, what does that tell okay. you? It tells you he's okay, the best they, receiver in practice. They tell me they just want to keep putting him out there. But what I'm telling you – No, Gary, oh, man, come on. You're being, you're being really hard-headed, man. They, they opened okay, up the Gary, whole position. Me... They opened up the whole position for competition. And what they left, left practice for the week with was that D. Wiggins was worth being out there for 78 plays. Okay, he's worth being out there for 78 plays, but when I want to take a shot deep, he's falling down. He's not getting it done. I agree. I agree. So, but it, it kind of so tells you where they're at, doesn't you take, it? You're taking a ball. Let me move on to my next point because you won't let this go. But I'm telling you. Well, I just think you're being hard-headed. I mean, obviously, Harley well, and Wiggins were, are the – they feel Harley and Wiggins are the two best receivers they have. I think that's pretty obvious, okay, yeah. right? Would you okay. agree? Well, let me be hard I agree. But let me okay. be hard-headed because I'm – Make a point. I'm trying to say, if we do what we're doing right now, we're going to be talking seven and four, eight and three, and I think we're better than that. That's what I'm saying. And I, I don't think disagree. there's some change that you need to take a look at. Okay, when I look at the offensive line, I'm telling you, I don't think we're firing off the ball and hard. This, to me, a successful college football team, a successful college year, my team is: can you make a first down on third and one? If you can't run the ball for one freaking yard on a third and one, then you're going to struggle. The All right, let me, let, me, let me ask you another question. Same, same, same okay, thing. Okay, you and I both saw the same thing. The, the, you know, Corey Gaynor was horrendous the other night. Um, Ja'Kai Clark was horrendous the other night. We saw Scaife get blown into the backfield. He was, he was really good on pass blocking, did not do very good on run blocking. We're watching them get blown up, and – they chose to put Jalen Rivers in the game for one play. One play. Okay, the mm-hmm. offensive line was playing as bad as it could play, and they chose to put Jalen Rivers in for one play. And now you're saying to, to us collectively here on Kane Sport Live that the answer to all the offensive line problems is putting Jalen Rivers in permanently. That's not or or much more. A yeah. true freshman who doesn't have a clue what he's yeah. doing, and 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 you're not the only one who's making this assumption that we're going to put Jalen Rivers out there on the field, and all of a sudden everything's going to be better. And didn't we learn our lesson on that last year? Didn't we learn last year? We did. When well, we put the fresh, when we when we put Zion Nelson out there, and and we put Jaquai Clark out there as true freshman, and we had probably the worst offensive line in college football, gave up 51 sacks. Let me tell you what. I'm Gary, let me tell you what I'm saying because you're really hot about this. What I'm saying is I think as the season moves along, we should start incorporating him in the offensive line. I'm not saying for him to make a starter. What if he's not ready to play? What if he's not ready to play? 
You can't just throw a kid out into a football game who's not ready to play. They gave him one snap the other night. That tells you they do not think he's ready to play. Now, if you want to say Garen Justice doesn't have a freaking clue what he's doing and you want to have that opinion based on the fact that he's not playing Jalen Rivers, you're well entitled to your right to have that opinion. But clearly Garen Justice and Rhett Lashley do not feel that Jalen Rivers is ready to play. All right, I got to let you run. Great, great, great debate. But uh, we'll continue see, that, it in two what, weeks, okay? That's what I didn't want, Gary. You just want to download well, the conversation. You don't well, what else? Do, you, do you have another point you want to make? We we yes, covered a lot. Okay. Other, all right, okay. Well, you have covered a lot. I have. Other, well, we were just talking other, about your points. Point. What else do you have? Go quick. What else? The other point that I want to be able to make is, is that I really do believe that we need to change up the offense because I know what we're going to do every single time on first down. And I think sometimes we abandon the run a little too early, and that's just because we don't want to have, we don't want to put the pressure on the offensive line for them to be able to execute and for them to be able to do that. <sighs> and so, and, and here's and my last point is what I want to make. All right, here is let me stop. Let me game. let me stop you again, and then this has got to be the last one because again, you're let, not let me, looking at facts. Okay, we had 48 rushing plays in the game the other night, and we had 30 pass plays. Okay. So 48 run plays and 30 pass plays. How is that abandoning the run? We were inside the five, and he ran the ball three straight times. Come on, man. No, come on, man. Come on, come on, come on. No, that's that, you're, that, 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 that's just not paying attention to what's really happening. What? How many rushes does King have that was not actually run plays, but he just made those plays on his own? You count those as well. Those were actually pass plays. And my last point that I really want to make here, because you're eating up all my time, is this. We're going in the hard part of our season. And as we go into the hard part of our season, if we don't learn from what we, what we, the mistakes we made on the first half, we're looking at a seven and four or eight and three team. We can't. I agree. I agree. They could, I agree with you that they, they got to be a lot better. All right. Give us a call back in two weeks. We'll, 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 we'll go at it a little bit more and just see if things get any better against NC state. Let's go to the six, seven, eight. You're live on Kane sport live. Six, seven, eight, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, we'll get you next time. Let's go to the 772. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, how you doing? This is Travis. Uh, wanted to ask you a question on a conspiracy up, theory for, 80, for the 87 team. Uh, was thinking about it and thinking about it. Is there any way in your mind that Vinny and the boys threw that game in 87? I'm in my late 50s, longtime UM fan. Through the game against Penn State? The Penn State game with Jimmy no Jay, coach, my favorite coach. No, no chance. You, you don't even give me a little bit on that. You watched the same game I, I watched that time. Nothing at all. No chance. <laughs> Blow a national championship. Throw a national championship national game. Come championship on. game inside. The Penn State guys just happen to be inside the 20 and pick us off all those times. All I think I think Vin, I think Vinny just lost his mind that night and threw a lot of interceptions. Lost his mind. We watched the same game and you keep looking at it. Over I the mean, I haven't that. watched it in, in, what is it, 30 years now? I mean, give me a break. But, but, but I mean, so I, 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 guy, what is it? Is it Halloween tonight? Listen, I don't think they threw the game. I think Vinny played lit crap. That's what I think. That's what I remember. I remember that, Vinny playing like crap. That was the big factor. That was the big factor. Uh, enjoy your show, first time uh, listener to All right. a friend. All right, Travis. Uh, 
Thanks I'll, for I'll being part of it. Quick question. Uh, go quick, ahead. Quick question. Because uh, you've been you've been good, and I've been listening for a while. Uh, I wanted to ask you if Manny fumbles the ball in the next year or so. I think he's been doing an above average job, and he's got a lot on his plate because it's such a big program. Would Ed Reed come in, or is there an outside chance Cristobal would uh, maybe come out of Oregon if the time was right? Would Ed Reed be the head? You're asking if Ed Reed would be the head coach? Would they move Ed up, or is it to be head coach? No, no chance. No, you can't just make him head coach. No. No, I think the next move for Ed Reed is possibly to get an assistance job. I mean, that's what he wants, and. You know, I think that that's the next move for him, whether it's here or somewhere else. Um, he's got to go, you know, learn to be a coach and learn to recruit and everything else. I, he's not even close to being a head coach candidate. Cristobal, I, I think is going to be really hard to get. I think he's really got it going at Oregon, but I certainly would not hire another coach here without giving it everything I got to try to get that guy. I personally think he is the guy that can take this program back. That he's got the he's got the toolbox that this program needs. If Manny can't do it, I think I personally think that he's the guy that of all the coaches I see out there would have the best chance to come to this program and 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 bring it back to where it needs to be. I, I, but I don't I know if they can hire him, Travis. And and right now Manny's yeah, going to definitely get a few more years, so it's not I even an enjoy issue. Enjoy it uh, and uh, good luck with the election coming up. Uh, I'll catch you in a couple of weeks, man. All right, Travis, thanks for being part of the show. Let's go to the 850. You're on Kane Sport Live. 850, hey, you with us? Hey. hey, what's up, Brian? Hey. How you doing tonight? Uh, doing good. Uh, just want to touch base on a couple things. I definitely think that we have an issue with culture and development. And before I go further on that, I do want to say I think it's great that we're 5-1. and one. A win is a win. And like some of the other callers have said, it feels good to win every week. Um, but with with the weightlifting and, and the development and the nutrition, I went to the ACC championship um, a few years ago, and, and as soon as I saw the pregame, I knew we were going to lose. You know, like you guys say, you don't know what's going on in the weight room, but trust your eyes. I mean, like when we when we go out on the field against other teams, who do you see on our team that you're just like, wow, man, that guy's a stud? I mean, like, who who just sticks out to you? I mean, you're you're right. You're not wrong. I mean, you don't you don't you don't walk away saying that. I mean, go through the list of players that we've had, and, and the thing is, we play so many freshmen that that normally when a freshman or a sophomore play, you you say, man, I can't wait till that guy's a junior or senior. Think about what he's going to become. But our freshmen and our sophomores that play, they don't get any better. It's, I mean, I hate to say it, but like even our linebackers that we had last year, you know, they all came in as freshmen. Did they really get that much better? Not necessarily. I mean, I think so they get better. Think? I think they're better, but I mean, I mean they're not ready know, for the All-American team or anything, but I think they're they're better. Yeah, but you would think that when you have guys that have have been in a system and, and been developed, like we don't have the third and fourth year guys that have been here for a while, that you can just see physically their body is different than the freshmen. Like our older guys just don't look that way. And, and then to go back on the culture point, 
Like, like, you know, how many how many scholarship guys do you have on a team normally? Is that seventy five? Is that what it is? Eighty eighty five. Okay, eighty five. Okay, well, you're only going to have twenty two guys starting. If you go too deep, that's forty four. So then you still got forty guys that realistically aren't going to get on the field. So like, know your role. Like, like with this Burns, you know, saying that they're that Manny wants to keep him engaged and wants him to have a reason to play. Sometimes your reason to play is, is just to practice and make your teammates better. Like, that's your role. I mean, to think that you're going to keep, you know, I, I think that we celebrated the running back that we had a few years ago, Jimmy Murphy, because he worked so hard. Should it be that noticeable that he that a walk-on is working that much harder than everybody else? Shouldn't that just be the way everybody works? Uh, it should be, absolutely. You know, so, I mean, I think that's a culture, you know, problem. Um, and I think we have to get to where we develop it. And one of the things that doesn't help us is that we are Miami and we've got that U on our helmet. And so when we win three or four games, or like this year we're five and one, we're not the number 11 team in the country. I mean, everybody should know that. You know, a few years ago when we won 10 in a row, we weren't the number two team in the country, but we get so much hype, and it's hard for these kids not to buy into that. Like, realistically, you know, we need to be able to go a few years winning some games like that and then hope to get to that level instead of just because our name they get jumped back into that conversation. We kind of got to earn it. Yeah. And I, I don't know that we do, so – those are just a few points. Oh, and then on the offense, I do think with uh, Derek King, maybe we need to start calling some more design quarterback runs for him. I mean, yeah, they want it. Well, they, they have a lot of those in the offense, but but Rhett Lashley said that he does want Derek King to 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 keep the ball a little bit more, and 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 he, I think he wants to just get the defense off his running backs. You know, I, I think yeah. he thinks that if that if King keeps it a little bit more and and adds that threat a little bit more often that that maybe people won't be able to tee off on the running backs as much as they are. Yeah. So sometimes instead of giving him the the option, sometimes you just got to call that play. Like you know, call the call the dive and say quarterback keep or you know however they call it. But you yep. have to tell him you know it's not an option. You keep it. Yep. And you might see that starting with the NC State game. All right. All right, man. Thanks for being uh, part of the show. Yep. Talk to you next time. Let's go to the 727. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. It's Jake from St. Pete. How you doing? What's up, Jake? How you doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great. Five and one. Off to a good start. And uh, hopefully a lot more. Right, we haven't had one um, happy caller yet on this show. <laughs> Everybody is fired that? up. I said, we haven't had a happy caller yet on this show. Well, I'll, I'll be that guy. You know, everyone, my God, did we give up 55 points last week? <laughs> I, I, maybe I missed the score, but uh, Clemson, the vaunted Clemson defense gave up, what, 23? Yeah, uh, well, nobody, nobody's going to accuse Canes fans of being blind homers right now, I'll tell you. We're, we're uh, yeah, we're, literally. Uh, we're, we... I looked it up. Uh, the lowest scoring uh, um, defense was us. Uh, Fourteen points we gave up to them. I mean, yeah, you know, or, yep. yeah, where there's some blown, you know, but but you know, playing this this coulda woulda shoulda, 
Okay, yeah, there, there was that touchdown pass that they dropped. How many touchdowns has D. Wiggins dropped this year? A dozen? I mean, you know, falling over when he's wide open or, or somebody breathes on him? I mean, you know, it, it's it's college football. This isn't the pros. Uh, guys make mistakes like that. How many touchdowns has Mark Pope, uh, Mark Pope dropped this year? You know, it could have, would have, should have. We gave up 14 points. That's a solid defensive effort in today's football. This is a, a pass-happy, uh, high-scoring, you know, uh, uh, football environment we're in. We just gave up two touchdowns. Who cares? Like, <laughs> get over it. Um, I have a question, uh, what, what your take is on it. Do you think they could switch uh, Jared Williams to left tackle and kick Scaife back out to right tackle? No, I don't think that'll happen. Because I, I just I, I think Scaife has regressed. He, he, you know, he was fairly decent as a right tackle, and he just. He just I think uh, you know he had a rough game the other day. I'm not ready to give up on him. He, you know, he's one. I think he's one of the better guys on the line. He just. I, I, he I do think you know a position change in a short off season like we had in the the, the weird uh, off season that it's been. Uh, you know, there, there's something to, uh, you know, say about switching guys' positions on the line. That's probably uh, – yeah, yeah, I don't think like you're going to see that at this point. I don't think you're going to see a lot of shuffling right now. The uh, – you know, the other thing uh, – I'll accuse you of this uh, a little bit. Um, you know, everyone say, oh, could you imagine what, what we would be without the, the transfers? And, you yeah, know – We wouldn't be very good, I'll me, tell you that. Well, but – is that a bad thing or is that a good thing? You know, we're looking at this. It's, is, both. It, 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 it's both. I think it's both. I think it's a good thing in the short term because I think they're going to get out of this season with a really good record. And, you know, but, but I also think it's, it's, if the program doesn't do a better job of talent evaluation and development, then it's going to be a short-term fix. And we're going to be back at, but you know, back at seven and be... seven and five and, and, you know, could this be the way of the future for the Hurricanes? Uh, it could. You know, it's, here, here. I, I mean, it, you know, it's work for basketball. It, it, it's a little tougher with football to make a living on transfers. But I, I think that, you know, when you look at the success of this year in the portal, that they got to keep an eye on it in the future, too. Because the, right now they can't recruit. They, they can't recruit at the level that they need to recruit at on a nationwide basis to get this program to the next level. Uh, I, I mean, I look at the, I, I look at the way we are right now and, you know, acknowledging that, you know, we could be nine and two this year, 10, even 10 and one, you know, at worst, maybe eight and three. And like, I look at it and We're I think it could, go on, it, it could go on like this forever. Well, it really could. It could go on like this forever. Seriously. Uh, if if you wanted to go to the next level and you want to be competitive with the better teams in the country, and I think you know it, you've seen that we're not, you know, anytime we play a, a a team that can walk and chew gum, even if it's Wisconsin, we're getting beaten handily. And um, you know, forget about the Clemson's a whole other deal. Like even like the Wisconsin's of the world have beaten us handily the last couple of times we've played them. Uh, so, you know, LSU, when we played them a few years ago, we can't compete with the better teams in the country. So if, if we're ever going to get so back to here's, that, here's being able thought. to do that, 
it, 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 it it's going to need to go to another level. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, it, it, that's, that's the okay, but So hear, hear me out with the, the, this. I was just thinking about this this week because, you know, I, I spend a lot of time when, when I'm driving. I, I try to think, why have the hurricanes fallen off so much? Why, why are they? Uh, because we're not recruiting well enough. The, uh, yes, yes. But here's, hear me out on this one. Let, 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 me, let me kind of drag this for just a moment here. From 1983 to 1994, we had seven quarterbacks drafted in the NFL, several in the first round. One of those is a Hall of Famer. Testaverde played for, what, three decades in the NFL, never went away. Uh, he might still be playing for all I know. Um, the the thing was back then was Miami was, you know, it was a run-oriented college football environment. And Miami was, you know, we had all these wide receivers, uh, you know, hey, come down to Miami, chuck it out to uh, Michael Irvin, Lamar Thomas. Uh, you know, we got all these receivers and we're looking to throw the ball. Ohio State was running the ball. Notre Dame running the ball. Uh, uh, Alabama, you know, you name it. Oklahoma, they were run. Nebraska, Penn State, they all ran the ball. They ran the ball. Penn State recruited Jim Kelly, arguably the guy who turned our program around. They wanted Joe Paterno wanted him to play linebacker. He said, "No, come on down, throw the ball." It's a different environment now. Everyone throws the ball. So we don't have that advantage anymore. And to me, I think the portal might be the future for Miami because yeah, but it, it can't, it, it can't be in football. It, it's, it's like if you're relying on guys to come in and play for one year, I mean, it's okay if you're, if you're putting a bandaid on a bad situation, but if you have to make a living on it, like, like we've been doing the last year or two, it's very, very tough to sustain. I mean, they, they've done a great it, job for two years point. in a row now getting some really good players, but it's very hard to sustain. So, so you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. Go ahead. But one one last thing. Gonna do, what are we going to do, though, to make ourselves that attractive to a Trevor Lawrence or uh, uh, to a Tagovailoa? How are you going – like, how are you um, going to get – got to hope that Rhett Lashley does a good enough – got to hope Rhett Lashley sticks around for a couple of years, and you got to hope he does a good enough job with the Eric King, who I personally think will end up coming back next year because I don't see – where he's going to have NFL, where he's going to have NFL options, and you have to hope that Red Lashley does a good enough job with the Eric King that a quarterback like that takes notice and and comes here, and and then you build around that. Um, you know, we don't know what Tyler Van Dyke's going to end up being like, but uh, you know, that's 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 the way it has to work. I mean, otherwise, you I'm know, not you're, not gonna, you're probably not going to find that guy in South Florida. Let's put it that way. Well, so you're not going to have to – so the guy is most likely not going to just show up at your program. So you're going to have to go out and recruit him, and you're going to have to be able to win. And I, right now, the, the, the biggest – the quickest ticket to that is for Rhett Lashley to have success with the Eric King. All right, I got to let you run because a bunch of guys are still want oh, yeah, to get on tonight. Give us a call back in two weeks. Let's go to the 954. You're on Kane Sport Live. Good evening, Gary. How you doing? This is Jay. Hey, what's up, man? Talk to us. How you doing? Yeah, just uh, calling in. Um, had a few things I wanted to ask uh, first, I guess. Um, I, I think it was touched on. I, I started listening late. Um, how, why is Burns 
closing out the game on our last drive. What's with this? Yeah, we talked about that early in the show. I mean, the the biggest theory I could come up with is that – Manny tries to find a role for everybody, and that's his role. He's the he's the physical back that closes out the game in the fourth quarter. He's like the closer in baseball. Yeah, he's, he's wonder, the guy. Wonder, he, he's the bruiser that that's going to come slug through the and get you the first down and 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 run the clock out. That's his role. That's the best thing I can come up with because it doesn't make sense when you've got three running backs ahead of him. But. So. I agree. Whether it's a one possession game or against Pitt, I could get yeah, two scores, whatever. Two or three garbage time, but what, what what the hell's going on? It reminds me of putting Jennings in a against LSU as a whatever freshman or sophomore. It's like you know, second quarter of the first game of the year, and we're yep. rotating rotating our entire roster. I just I don't I, Manny I don't Manny believes in that. That's his philosophy. Get everybody involved. I, have everybody come in the practice every week, knowing that they are likely to get into the game. I I don't get it. But okay, fair enough. Gilly. Do you believe that the kids fear Manny Diaz as the coach or repercussions? I can give two examples. No. One, I feel like he wants to be their friend by doing slip and slides after a somewhat embarrassing performance. Yeah, no, no. The answer the to your question would be no. I don't. I don't believe that. Okay. And my second example where that was last week against Pitt. I can vividly remember B.J. Jennings gets a horrendous roughing the passer call. I mean, the ball is gone for about five minutes and he still throws his shoulder in the guy on the sideline and the next series he's back in the game i mean you're uh, what kind of hey, how about early in the year when out? wiggins kicked the guy kicked the guy at the after a play and right. got a 15 yard penalty i mean you could go on and on with these with these examples said, yeah okay. yeah yeah so that's so we're, we're fighting that as a culture issue you talk about development i talk about development i mean wiggins is six three we've all talked about a nauseam when are our guys going to start fighting for balls or come back to a ball to get a call? I mean, these guys just, like you said, you blow on the guy and he falls down. I mean, he, he doesn't even jump for a ball. It's like he expects the ball to be in the bread basket every time, 40 yards downfield. I mean, how many guys can accurately throw that ball 50% of the time in the history of the game? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you've got to make a play on balls. And I think that's, horrendous development by him, whether it's three coaches or, or him. I, I, I don't blame the kids that much for three coaches. I mean, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of turnover. There, there has, but it's like we don't play fast. You know what I mean? Like when Manny got here, you saw a difference in the defense. They were playing fast. And I'm going to get to that next too, because the defense doesn't seem to be playing fast. I'm talking about the offense. It's like, it's like we're scared to just play ball. Like everyone says, Oh, South Florida, you got to go play ball. You got to go play ball. Well, it looks to me like we're freaking scared to play ball. We don't want to attack the ball. We don't want to get physical with DBs, whether it's in the running game. We, we don't block like we used to block with Dugans. Now I remember the joke was always Dugans is a glorified offensive line coach. But that was great. But, like, there's not nearly the physicality on this team that there was a couple of years, a couple seasons ago. Not at all. Um. And one last thing on the offense, Gaynor did have a terrible game, but Gaynor's had a pretty rough year. I'm not going to sit here and say it was one game. Our interior line is horrendous. They're, they're killing us. I mean, our tackle play has been better, except, say, for Campbell against um, Pitt, and I think that's why you saw Zion in there. And Zion, the times I've seen him, he, he had a few lazy run blocks the other day, but his pass blocking has improved leaps and bounds. And yeah, I, he, had I a very, he had a very good game last year. I'm not going to say Jalen Rivers. I heard everything. Jalen Rivers played one snap. It was on that silly uh, 
formation down by the goal line when they had skates lined up, like the off yep. the wing back. And they yeah, tried clearly, to the, clearly the coaches don't think he's the answer right yeah. now. That's fine. He's not. He's a true freshman. Right. He's not going to be. He's not. He shouldn't be ready. He should not be ready. You know, and and the play that I was listening to, Mamarelli couldn't line up. That was was the same formation they showed on that play when they had to call timeout. Um, Going to defense, I said they're not playing fast. They're not. I I don't see. It's not the aggression of the blitzing. I just. I don't see the cohesiveness of the defense. You know, I, I don't see. Gang tackling. I don't see flying to the ball. I don't see getting upfield. And whether that's the linebacker play, it's the same linebacker. You know, one of the guys, the same guy has been here that was playing fast a couple of years ago. I mean, McLeod. If, I mean, I'm not going back. I know I'm going back a couple of years, but I mean, some of those he made some big plays against you know Notre Dame. He made some big plays against Florida State that year, especially late in that game on uh, some key run plays with Blackman. Um, you know, keeping the ball early, and you know, and obviously different season, different times, different linemen, but I think he's lost a step or two, personally. He he just doesn't look quick, and Brooks is the only guy that plays fast, and, and Flag plays fast, too. He just has no idea what he's doing. Like I said, I think he's just guessing right now, but yeah. at least they're out there playing, and, you know, Bolden looked a little sluggish. I just think the, overall the team looked a little sluggish the other day. Um, and one more point real quick. The score was not totally, I don't think, indicative of the game, but it shows you how much room this team has for improvement and how much the fine line is between winning and losing. If you look back at the, Great. you know, we, we all said three, three tries inside the red zone, one, two field goals, one block. I mean, we might moved the ball the third series again, when the board got it, I mean, they were humming and then just, you know, one negative play and it's, it's, there you go. There goes the drive. And then again, you get down inside the five, you try to run the ball. You can't move the ball 20 yard field goal. You know, you, you punch, even one of those in, and Borgalis' kick doesn't get blocked. I mean, I know you. What if? What if? What if? But that's a what seven? That's a seven point swing. All of a sudden, you're twenty six fourteen. Little breathing room late in the game. You know, it's probably over with with five minutes left. Not you know, yeah. not down to the last drive. And same with Chet last week. You know, you, you you take the two interceptions away inside the you know they have the one on the one yard line. The other one, I think, inside the ten. You hold no field goal. That's a thirty-one to nine, thirty-one-seven type game. You know the scores look a lot different, but that just shows you. You know it's it's a play here, a play there, at this team's level, and like you say, team whatever ranks five five to forty can beat anyone in any given day or ten to forty, whatever you want to say. And, and I think the proof's in the pudding on those. You know those are the couple examples I can think of. If you play here, you know changes a, a twenty-point win to a. A, a ten point win, and what could have been a double digit win, you know, gives the the opponent a, ch- a chance to possibly win the game on a type of free yep. play. Yep, D- you know? different so. feel. All right, man, listen, I gotta let you go. Uh, give us a call in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the two four zero. You're on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's up, man? Doing great. Who's this? This is D Black. Hey, D Black, talk to us quick, man. We're getting late, and I got a bunch of guys that still want to get on. Yeah, man, I've been on since like 7:45. I know. No, but um, not, um not, not, no, you haven't. Not that early, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I've been on since like 7:45. All right, go, go, go. It didn't but, show but, up like that. Go. All right, go. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. All right, check it out. So real quick, I'm going to disagree with you real quick about the wide receiver position, right? I'm going to disagree with you with that as far as when you saying the coach had an open competition. I'm only, I'm only disagreeing with you because. 
I've been in those meetings as a player, and a coach says, oh, it's open competition. I want to see. Like sometimes, sometimes, Gary, that shit is all talk. You know what I'm saying? Because the players who aren't playing as much can still go hard in practice, and the coaches are still going to play the players that they've been going with because they like them more. Well, what we, don't know, what we don't know, D-Black, in fairness, and, and I kind of forgot about this for a second when we started talking about it, was, you know, Redding and Restrepo were on the COVID list. So yeah, they, I, I they, know that. Yeah, know so that. we don't know if either one of them would have made the rotation, but the rotation that did play in the game was the same guys we've been playing. Yeah, I understand that. I'm talking about as far as Keyshawn. Like, like I mean, Keyshawn Smith. Like, to me, he should have been playing. But like I said two weeks ago, it goes back to politics, South Florida politics. Like, yo, can't have no freshman from Cali playing over a junior from South Florida. Yeah, well, it, 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 it better not, or you're going to stop getting the freshman from Cali. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you that, that, that if, if Keyshawn Smith is sitting there showing oh, up uh, on the practice Gary, field, D-Black, Gary, and they're not playing him, that's not no, good. Gary, Gary, but Gary, don't know that that's Gary. the case. Yeah, and you don't know that's the case either. That's my point. And I'm telling you, as a former player in college football, when while setting those meetings and you hear these you hear these goddamn coaches give you spill that bullshit to you, like, oh, it's an open competition. You know what I'm saying? It's open competition. The players who've been playing, you hey, come Saturday, you may not be playing. Some of that is bullshit, Gary, part of my friends, because I've been in there. And I I, I don't disagree I with you. I, I wasn't I would look, but we I don't know that that's players. the case, but I don't disagree with you. Oh, okay, so now let me move on. My point one, right? Defense. I explained to you two I explained to this to you two weeks ago, and I want everybody that's listening, next week when we play when we play North Carolina State, I want y'all to watch. Every third and long, every third and long, watch we go to a three man front and then we a blitz. So all tonight, I've been hearing about everybody complaining about the offense and that every there, there's a blueprint now on the offense. Don't you think teams got a blueprint on the defense now? They know every third and long, oh, Baker and men, they're going to take out D tackles. They're going to go to a three-man front, bring in two extra linebackers, and they're going to blitz, come off the edge. Every yeah, but but I mean, long, but but do. Virginia only scored 14 and Pitt only scored 19, you know, so it hasn't well, burned them yet. Yeah, but but let me explain that to you. See, y'all like y'all worried about the it, it's it's going to it's going to bite us in the end. Of course, if they, they if they don't 14, start playing better. I, I understand they only score fourteen points, but Virginia is not a great team. You see what that should happen when we you see what happened when we played Clemson. That that it didn't work. It, it didn't work. So I'm moving on. All right, I'm moving on. So you say you always say to me, Gary, like you would say, well, the person the personnel is different. From 2017 to now, which is true. I agree with you. But guess what, Gary? Whose fault is that that the personnel isn't as good or better than it was in 2017? Whose fault is that? It's Manny's, right? Exactly. It's Manny. Because at that time, Manny was the D coordinator in the linebacker's coach. So it was his job to ensure that he was bringing in quality replacements or better than what he already has. He didn't do so. So now you're seeing a product of a lot of Al Golden's players that he recruited on defense, lead the program. Now you're seeing a product of many players that not that good because many is not that good of a recruiter. 
So I'm moving on. Moving on. DB technique and cover three. Bell technique. I'm talking about the bell technique. We all know they play too far off, but their bell technique is wrong. They bell, they, they're back, they're belling straight back, and they're allowing the receivers to get into their blind spot, and then they get they panic, and they don't know how to find the ball. They, they should take an outside step first, then turn. So that receiver, if he gets in your blind spot, he's out of bounds. You know what I'm saying? He's out of bounds. So if he doesn't go in your blind spot, you're lined up uh, nose to nose with him. I'm moving on because I got to go quick. Offense. Now, I went back and I looked at all of Rhett Lashley's running plays from SMU. They're all the same plays, but the, the common denominator or the difference is SMU had better offensive line play and SMU had a running back to rush for over 1,100 yards. Their offensive line was much better. They got a much better push than what he has to deal with now. He's running yeah. the same running plays. Just the offensive line is different. I'm going yep. to – all right. Manny talking about winning being a habit. Well, how are you going to talk about winning being a habit if you've never won anywhere? You haven't – you don't know what it is to be a winner. So how – that's like the pot calling the kettle black. You've been fired because you gave up almost 400 rushing yards to a quarterback at BYU. And now you talk about winning is a ha- is a is a habit. Like yo, he should be running for president or mayor because he's a politician. And when he get up there, he gives y'all these politician answers, and all of y'all fall for that bull crap. I'm moving on. Number two. Black, you're fired up, man. We're almost out of show. Jesus, I can't even like. <laughs> all right, hold on, hold on. All, right. all right, look. So he talked about the Miami arrogance, right? Maybe this is this. Maybe what we're seeing is a product of him stripping them players of their Miami arrogance, stripping them of their nuts, making them play more docile, telling them they can't be arrogant when traditionally Miami players always had a sense of arrogance. Yeah, I I don't think anybody's being stripped of anything. I think you got to be good enough to be arrogant, and I think right now you don't have have a lot of guys on this team that are good enough to be arrogant, D-Black. Let's be honest. No, 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 you be honest. I'm I'm talking from a player – I'm talking from a former player's perspective. When I say arrogant, arrogance, Gary, is when you go on the field and you're confident in yourself. You're not underestimating your opponent. But you ain't going into the game thinking, oh, well, yeah, we, yeah, we just got to play. No, you're going to the game wanting and knowing that you can win the game. You still respect your opponent, but you just have a little edge to you. All right, now moving on. All right, moving on. Now, do you think Ed Reed will be here long? With what uh, if, going it, on? It, he'll, he won't be here long if he does not get a coaching job. No. All right, cool. And I don't think he's gonna be here long because I don't think he can stomach what he sees, what he sees going on inside those walls. As far as culture, players not being reprimanded, the defense looks horrible, bad play calling, bad coaching. That's my opinion. Now I got a question for you, and then I'm done. Now, as a as a coach, when you think of Jimmy, Butch, right? When you think of them, were they respected? Do uh, do you think they wanted to be respected, liked, or feared? Which which one? Uh, I don't think that they that 
that it was it went that deep in thought. I think it it just uh, you know it was what it was, and I don't oh, know if I would use feared, but they were definitely that. respected. Let let me rephrase that. Let me let me rephrase that for you real quick, Gary. Do you think they cared if the players liked them or not when they no. when they dug in? No, the absolutely not. No, no, no. Exactly, it, it, exactly. And a lot of callers uh, tonight made a great point on that. It's, and you and you made a great point too. As far as Manny, it's almost like a parent, right? It's like a I'm, I'm a father, I'm a father, right? I don't give a shit if my I don't give a shit if my sons get mad at me when I dig in their ass. But guess what? You gonna get it, and you gonna learn when you when you when you mess up. Oh, I'm I'm a dig in your ass. I don't care if you like me or not. But Manny, yep. he wants to be he wants to be liked. He wants to be liked. So when you get some parents. Who want to buy their children's love? So the black dad. I, I I don't disagree with you, but that's his style, and it's either going to be successful for him or it's not. Hey, we're out of show. Give us a call back in two weeks, okay? Got you, Gary. Uh, all right, guys. Um, I'm not going to be able to get to the last couple callers. Um, I didn't dare cut off D Black. He was uh, he's he was fired up tonight. Um, there will be no show next Tuesday night. We're going to all watch the election results, which is going to be a show of its own. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks to talk about the NC State game and what lies ahead from there. So um, for now, I'm going to say good night, everybody.